Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Streaming live on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Nick. I'm with my co-host Matt tonight, and actually a lot of other people are in studio with us. This is episode 67 of the Nick and Matt Show on the Foundation Podcast Network. And I just want to give a quick little shout out to the people that are watching right now. Go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on YouTube so that more people can join you in the live chat tonight. Anyways, Matt, how's it going? How's your week? It's great. And I have to say, because it can't go on any longer. I have someone special in the room that I never thought would be in studio. His name's Avery Jenkins. What's up, Avery? Wow. What's up? Good to be here. (laughs) Simon, you're in studio all the time. He's a veteran. He's always here. I I was here last week, so it feels normal now. I was just going to say, and I was going to say, he has a microphone. He can talk when he wants to. We're not going to limit him tonight. Good to have you here, Avery. Good to be here. Thank you. We're definitely going to talk to you more here as we go. I don't want to miss Stat Mando being in the room, wearing a super cool hat, Nick and Matt show hat. One. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so, Nick, I feel like that couch that's in the basement here, we're going to have to like auction it off one day. One day. I don't one know day. what it makes yeah, sense. Exactly. But. In 10 years when we're you know super famous, don't have to do this anymore. We'll just auction off the couch. I had people right after the MVP week actually ask if it was still available. The problem was I forgot to get the autographs on it. So eh, you just have I was going to gonna say that is something we should. We'll, we'll go for that next year. I mean, DNA. Can start out we tonight, can just do you DNA have, testing. You have, you have one of the most famous people in the room, Evan. Oh yeah, right there. Evan, Evan, Evan yeah, can sign it. I haven't it. sat on and then, for you know, a show sign, yet. Yeah, then Simon and Avery can sign it afterwards. But Evan, <laughs> he's here with the stats. All right. Um, so we actually have a fair amount as far as off season goes. But let me tease out there. I think stick around if you're here really early on in the show. Which, if you're listening, that's probably why you're here early. Um, if you're watching live, maybe you're jumping in a little bit later. We got a hundred right now live. But if you stick around and we build the audience, maybe if we get it up to like 300, let's try that. I think that's a good line. If we get it to 300 live, I'm going to try my first beer tasting ever, ever. Avery, you like oh, wow. and enjoy beer, right? That's a that's a good milestone right there. Get the 300, <laughs> and I brought some special beers for you tonight. Uh, good variety, uh, lots of different flavors here, and a good sample of some of the best in the Northeast. So I look forward to that 300. Bump it up a notch. All right. I'm uh I'm I'm pretty upset. There are a few times where I'm really upset that <laughs> I'm not Massachusetts. One of those is that time right now yes. to be hanging out with all of you guys and yes. then enjoying some incredible beer. We miss you. <laughs> I told you, Nick, it's you gotta come back. This is my plan to get you back up here in Massachusetts. <laughs> Simon asked me to move back. You know, I might just I might just do it. All right. So we're getting carried away a little bit. We got a few topics to catch up with. Uh, and then actually news that was announced just today. Uh, the PDGA announced a change in the major that was announced earlier this year. Uh, what was it called? The Players' Cup or the Players', Players Championship? Cup. Players' Cup. See, I don't even know. It's so new. April. It's going to be happening. Uh, 2022, so coming up. They just announced today they went back from match play as being a portion of the event to it being now stroke play, the full event, four rounds. So we have Nate Heinel. Uh, I believe he's the chair of the PDGA majors committee. And he's also the president of the PDGA board of directors. He is going to be on the show in about 10 minutes from now. Um, But I think we should kind of just jump right into it. So that way we can kind of talk it out and then see what Nate has to say. And Nick, I'll let you start the conversation. 
But then I'm really interested in Simon and Avery's feedback on this because they both have played in majors. And you've played in yeah. a major, but they've played in a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's give I Nick think, the floor first. Go ahead. Yeah, I th- I th- I'll give it like a 45-second response on it. I think I've played in two different majors, and I know Avery over there has won a major. Um, Simon, I don't remember the year... You won Konopiche if it was a major or not. But anyways, um, I never really cared for the idea of doing four rounds of stroke play and then, you know, the top four advance into a match play event. I never really cared for that idea of it. I'm actually super excited that it's just going to go to the general what seems like four rounds of stroke play for this tournament. I think it's awesome. I think adding another major and making it something huge in our sport is beyond beneficial. And, you know, hopefully I'll be able to play it. I'm looking forward to it even more so now. I, I'll tell you this. I was going to play it regardless of what the format was. It is a major. Doing well at majors is a great feeling. Um, but now I'll let Simon and Avery take it over. All right. Go ahead. What do you guys think? It's just literally wide open right now. Yeah. Match play being a part of a major. Yeah. A big part of that. A major being stroke play, I think, is very important. But I do. I don't want to discount what a what a match play event can add to you know pro tour i like the i like the feeling of kind of the bracket system i like the you know the 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 32 the 16 the 8 um and i like it when it's heads up mono a mono one on one going at it with match play consequences um and playing shot for shot hole for hole i like that feel but i would never want the match play feel to be a major so if a major is going to be a stroke play, awesome. If a match play tournament is going to happen, whether it is the match play championships, much like this year to carry down the tradition, awesome. But I don't think that should be a major, but a major should be stroke play all the way through. That's my opinion. Can I ask mm-hmm. a, 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 re, a response to your statement there about it? <sighs> I'm trying to think how to say it. Um, what, what can separate this major? What is going to make the majors different? And that was their goal in doing this. So, like, what's going to make this major different? What makes all majors different? We have worlds. That's easy because it's a world title. But if you're just adding a major, what can make it different? Why should we have it now? Wow, we can almost go into a whole discussion about <laughs> that. Um, and and Steve Brinster <laughs> has a great response for this, and he's he's been very uh, adamant about it. But having pinpoint major locations much like golf, much like tennis, those locations. Are you cracking a beer? No, sorry. Okay. That's a seltzer. We're, um, we're getting started. But, but, I, but I always liked how USDC <laughs> is in Rock Hill. I always liked how Japan Open is in Japan. I liked how the European Open is in Europe and mostly uh, all, always in Nokia, Finland. But the Worlds was the rotating major of all those. I think at this point I've played close to probably 45, 50 majors throughout the 20 or so years um, playing professional. And I do like, again, I like the stroke play. I like it to be a major. I like it to be four rounds, five if we have to, to be different within disc golf. Um, but I think to qualify as a major, it just has that prestige. It has that buildup. It has that high echelon, top tier, world-class competitors, you know, in one, in one grouping. So again, when it was the match play, I don't agree with being a major. But stroke play, absolutely. Would you, and I'll ask Simon, he can take this one away, but would you have played in it had it been a match play major? Would you have done it reluctantly because, well, dang, there's a there's a major out there to be had. Like, would you have done it reluctantly or not at all? No, I'd not say I wouldn't have played it. Um, if I had the opportunity to play it, I absolutely would. But I just don't think that a major title um, should be yeah, on the line in a match play format. 
What do you think, Simon? I know you actually you were on our show before this, and we yeah. talked about this. So let's revisit it. <laughs> well, I had this the same opinion from the start. It sounded a bit crazy, but I I feel like I was one of the pros that wasn't like too turned off by the idea. Like for me, it wasn't like anything shocking. Like, oh my god, how can they do this? I can't believe like this is never gonna work. For me, it was more like, okay, that's different. That sounds interesting. Um, I'm a huge fan of match play. Just let me say that. I think it's a great format that we're not using enough in the sport. The whole concept with majors and disc golf, that's kind of where I put the question mark is where do we even like, what's the definition of a disc golf major? Um, because I don't know if it's the tradition or the history or the title, but I don't know. I, I feel like we don't quite have the standards yet for these majors and I totally could be totally wrong for saying this. Maybe there are all these standards <laughs> that I just don't know of, but, um, feeling wise going to a major event in disc golf versus a pro tour or sometimes even other tournaments. I don't know from, for me personally has never made a big difference. So we come back full circle and to you, it doesn't make a difference. Is it good enough just to slap major on it then? and make it four rounds and there you go. It's a major. I mean, what else could they do? What, what can be done to separate a major from something else? What are the th extra things? What are part of majors that you experience? Like that have to be a part of this. <laughs> a major champion has to be in a sport, something, I don't know. I feel like we would in, in sports, you have to be measured by like major championships. And in disc golf, we're measured not by major championships. I, I don't know why, but we're, we're not. When you're talking about the standard or what constitutes being a major, um, it's the venue. It is the, the iconic course, the, the challenge and the difficulty that location offers. Um, and then it is the highest of the most, you know, qualified individuals and players playing in this tournament. Um, you're you're kind of locking it down to almost a qualification system. And hopefully it does get to that point where you absolutely have to qualify at this level, at this rating, at this points to qualify for this major event. And then it all comes down to the staffing, you know, making and building this venue, this location, this course to be a major event. Like I look back at European open, great example of that being in Nokia, Finland, and it has for last 10, now going to be 11 years next year. Um, and everything that UC Maresma does with staff and everybody that contributes to that event, it feels like a major. Um, absolutely does. USDGC, everything Jonathan Poole's been doing down there for the last 22, 23 years, that feels like a major. Worlds sometimes does, sometimes doesn't. And then Japan Open is kind of a different kind of major, but there's been several others that are kind of outside those four, but those are the ones I always kind of held to as being top-tier majors. Um, and there's, there's plenty of others as well. Well, it's a big conversation. Nick, do you have any final thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of got to agree with Avery on that one. Just making it almost like such a high standard, you know, making the venue incredible. Um, and then let's say even the amount of players who are allowed to play the event. I mean, USCGC is a qualifying event. You have to qualify to in order to play USCGC. Now, I wouldn't be surprised that in the next few years, if the pro tour ends up taking that on almost for every single event, maybe not a qualifying status, but you have to be 
above a certain rating. You have to be a certain ranking in the world in order to be able to play these events. Um, I think disc golf is slowly pushing out of, we need 150 people for the MPO side and 60 people for the FBO side or 40 people for the FBO side. I wouldn't be surprised in the next few years, if those numbers start dwindling, dwindling down and making the pro tour specifically for the touring professionals who are going out and doing this as a living rather than, you know, the average guy, even me, when I was at worlds, I was, I was sub thousand rated when I went to worlds. If they were to say, Hey, you are not allowed to play the world championships unless you're thousand rated or above. All that is is just motivation for me to get above that certain standard so that next year or the year after that, I am able to qualify to be able to play in the world championships or any major at that matter. Um, I think one big thing with the Players Cup that I'm super looking forward to, if I am able to sign up for it and play it, it's at IDGC, the International Disc Golf Center, where WR Jackson is located. I think I've said it in the past. That's one of probably my top three favorite courses. And the last time I played it was in 2017. I've grown as a player since then. I'm beyond looking forward to going back to that venue. And I love Georgia in general. So, I mean, I, I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting here. I, I have a feeling, I mean, okay, let me put it, let me put this out there. What do you think Nate Heinold's going to say, Nick, here in just a minute? Like, what do you think he's going to say about the reasoning? From kind of what I've seen, it's just more, you know, they took the feedback that players and sponsorships were kind of bringing into it. Uh, the feedback I think was huge, whether it's from the players union uh, for the disc golf, you know, pro players union that Paul Uliberry is the president of, or just sponsors sponsoring that event is just kind of seeing the negative backlash from a decent amount of people, spectators, professional players, sponsorships on this style of format. And so them finally taking in all of that feedback, it was the same thing with let's kind of, Let's give the Disc Golf Pro Tour the access to now running all of the Elite Series events. So I think that's going to generally kind of be how his response is. It seems like from what I quickly read that it was a smooth transition. And, you know, I'm glad they spoke about that now. It's actually been a little while since we heard about the Players' Cup. So hearing about it now before the season even gets you know, into full gear again, we, you know, we're not even out of 2021. We now know more about the Players' Cup than we did just a few months ago, which I think is huge. Yeah, and so Nick, we actually lined him up right now. Uh, we got Nate Heinold uh, in the green room. I'm trying to get it all figured out because we got so many guests going on tonight. Let me go ahead and pull <laughs> yeah, him up here. Right. Um, let's pull him in. Should be good. Oh no, see, it's not good. Uh, do do. Uh, you can go ahead and ask him the question though. Go ahead, Nick. Ask him the first question related to this, and I'm going to get him pulled up here. I was going to say, biggest thing, Nate, is, well, first off, welcome to the show. We have a lot of guests here tonight that are also going to welcome you. But second thing is, is how, how did this come about? What was the main decision on going from the, what was originally planned, the stroke play into match play into now just a stroke play tournament? There I am. So there he is. I, <laughs> Perfect timing. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry. I, I was distracted. Um, are we talking about the Players' Cup or the Champions' yes, sir. Cup? Uh, hold on the players cup, right? <laughs> am I, am I saying that wrong? I, I have not. to give you, I have to give you a hard time. So yeah, the players cup was that event that I think Steve Dodge ran many years ago. I'm sorry. The Champions others, cup. I think, yeah, this is the champions yep. cup. So yeah, yep. I just, I, I, I had to give you a hard time, but no, it's um, the same thing with going, you know, Nate queen versus Nathan queen. I want to make sure I say it correctly. So the champions <laughs> cup, that is what we are on topic about. That That's right. And I, I go by many, by many names, uh, <laughs> a lot of you know, not positive, but um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But yeah, the bottom line is, I think we announced this back maybe in February um, in that range. And, you know, we had obviously talked to a lot of stakeholders and done a lot of research and 
we had we had a major summit dedicated to you know not just this topic but other topics and we made the decision and then obviously after that there was lots of feedback that came in I and mean, there were site visits at the international disc golf center with robert and chuck and the event team and people from the pro tour players committee and sponsors and we, we took a very deliberate approach um, and listened to the stakeholders and the consensus over the last several months has kind of been, hey, you should make this change. And that's what we did. And we have two pro players, uh, one touring full time and one touring. <laughs> that's how I'll say it in the room. Um, they were just giving their feedback on this topic. And um some of the things that here you can say hi to them right there was some of the things that um, they were bringing up. We were asking them what makes a major a major. And so I want to ask you, Nate, like I read up a little article on, you know, a word you said about um, it's going to be unique mainly now because it's an invite, but then it's going to open up if it doesn't fill type thing. But like to you, what makes a major a major so that like this will stand apart? Well, obviously we have, Right now, we have um, the U.S. championship as a major, the world championship, and then we have, um, you know, the European Open, which has not been run in uh, two years, but that's supposed to be a major, which is obviously the PDGA's most represented, you know, continent outside of North America. And so with the idea for the Champions Cup, um, the goal back in 2017, when these conversations started, was that we need to have four consistent majors each year. And for many years, we had the, the Japan Open and, and we had other events in Scandinavia or the Aussie Open. Um, and so the idea for um, a consistent major came about. We named it the Champions Cup and we're open to hosting it anywhere. And so th this event could be hosted in a different country. And so but the idea for what defines a major is, you know, let, let's make sure the competition is of the utmost importance. Let's create history. Let's we have to start somewhere. And. And before this was the case, we had a you know years with three majors and five and four. I mean, when the, when Macbeth won the Grand Slam back in whatever it was, 2015, uh, he had he, he won five majors. And so, but there are years when when it's been three. And so, the whole goal was we have to start somewhere. Let's get a consistent four majors on the schedule. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Nick. Any any other thoughts on that, Simon Avery? Anybody want to ask this guy a question? <laughs> This guy, no, I, I agree yeah. with that. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad there's another major in the mix. Um, we've been lacking on that, obviously, with COVID protocol and and cancellation of certain majors over the last couple of years, being Japan Open and European Open. It's good to see another major on the board and that fourth major to so you can get that total Grand Slam and obviously talking about five when when Macbeth did it. But we need some consistency, and I do like the idea that you did mention that it will be has a chance to rotate. And I do like that it is IDGC. That is a good venue. That is a great course. If it is just WR Jackson, that's phenomenal. Um, but the idea of keeping kind of options open that it could rotate and go somewhere else as well. So that's that's awesome. It's great to hear. And I'm glad it's stroke play, by the way. <laughs> and, and the bottom line is that, um, you know, we, we want to get the event off on the right foot. You know, when I had players tell me, oh, my goodness, I love the format. And it just gives me a better chance to win. I thought, huh, yeah. that's not, I don't actually agree with that really, because at the end of the day, winning a four round or, you know, playing four rounds of stroke play and then having to beat two of the best players in the world match play in this on the same day on WR Jackson 
which is the only course we're, we're using for this event, for people that said, oh, that person wouldn't deserve to win a major, I disagreed, you know, but we still took in that feedback and said, look, the consensus is that this is a, I may, this may be a good format for anything but a major. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way Avery was talking about it earlier. I do love the idea of match play. I think that is an event that could be held somewhere else and grow into a bigger thing. Um, I don't think that it should be on the major level of our sport at the moment. Maybe one day it is. I have no idea. But I do love going back to the traditional four, maybe five rounds. It seems like this one will probably be four rounds at pretty much a world-renowned course and, and an incredible area um, at a decent time of the year, too. I do like now that there's four majors, it's kind of four majors spread throughout the year, um, which I think is pretty big. I think is European Open is at July usually. So if we're going April, July, August, and October this year, uh, gives players in all different skill sets, all different courses to be able to go out and compete at these majors. Yeah. And Nate, you know this being in the uh, spotlight that you are. You make a decision for an event like this or as part of the committee, you make that decision and people are like going crazy over it, right? As in like negative. And then you make a decision like this and I see the PDGA social media today, people being, I'm really disappointed, I'm upset, right? Going the other way. It's part of the job. Um, I do want to say that from my perspective, I was arguing for it for a while. I think that I understood, and as you said, understood other people's opinions my preference towards it was the idea that you had to be a well-rounded disc golfer, meaning even other disciplines, because match play, in my opinion, is a discipline of golf. Okay. Like it's different, but it is a discipline. It's a different strategy. It's part of it. And I think of other sports and maybe it's way out there, but right. You go to gymnastics, they have different disciplines. You go to rock climbing, they have different disciplines. You go to bicycling, skateboarding, whatever it is, they have different disciplines as part of their sport. And I kind of like that. I said, well, let's give it a more well-rounded major where it's like you have to, maybe we could have done other disciplines as well as part of it. But I, I'm okay with however this landed. And I think you guys making the decision you are um, is probably very well-founded with all the feedback you received. Uh, any closing words on this that you want to give before you go? Yeah, I would just say that no matter what the PDGA said on this topic now, we were going to have people that said, you you shouldn't have done this. And, and, you know, and, and wow, I can't believe you guys changed your mind or you listened to so-and-so player or, or whatever. The bottom line is this event is for the players. It's not for me as a promoter. It's not for the fans necessarily. Um, it's for the players. And so this was supposed to be kind of the, like, you know, Nick was calling it the players cup. You know, we may have used the word players championship at some point, or, or we were thinking about it, but the idea was, this event should be about the players and, and for the players. And we heard from enough players who said, hey, you should make this change. And so that's the bottom line is the PDGA is listening to the stakeholders that matter the most. And that's the touring players. And um, that's kind of the bottom line on why we made this change. I have uh, kind of one last question going into it. Um, are there, you know, and this is kind of generally talking about the 2022 season, uh, and maybe this will be announced in the near future from the Pro Tour, whoever, uh, the Disc Golf Network, but um, are there going, uh, is there going to be any restrictions on who can play this event uh, or even just any Elite Series events next year? Is any of that kind of up for discussion yet? I can't speak for Elite Series events because that has not, been announced as far as i'm aware so um but 
on the Champions Cup, it, it is an invite-only event, actually. And so um, invitees are invited based on, you know, winning certain events and, and, and finishes and the like. Uh, and then there'll be ratings tiered for if there are spots left. And so it, it's a very exclusive event. Um, so yeah, some, you know, someone like me is not going to be able to sign up, um, you know, uh, but, um, I think you're going to see an elite field and, and a smaller field, you know, 90 to hundred MPO players and 30 to 40 FPO players. Cool. That's honestly, I'd, I'd love to hear that. I think that, um, not to exclude anyone from playing in these events necessarily, but more to kind of bring that elite levelness to it, that prestige of these really are the best competitors in the world that are able to be invited into this event. I, I think that's a big step forward in all this process. Yeah. And I, I know the, the pro tour, I, I think has plans to do something um, in the future, but the bottom line is even if they didn't, and they just did tiered registration with the amount of players that we have coming up and, you know, the fact that the fields, you know, sizes are actually getting smaller and the players are getting better. Uh, the idea that a 940 rated pro is going to play Ledgestone or Diglo is just not going to happen anymore is the bottom line. I mean, just, just based on just ratings alone and, and that, and, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 980 and I'm probably not going to be playing, you know, able to play elite series events anymore. And so, um, and that's, and that's not a bad thing, you know, I mean, nobody needs me out there, you know, winding through the woods and hitting trees. So, right. So, um, and so, you know, I think we're definitely going there is the bottom line, the silver series and a tiers. That's probably the better opportunity for, you know, your regional pros, but the big events, um, I think it, it's going to be tough to get in. Very cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, Nate. I totally appreciate it. You're always welcome. Uh, news like this is interesting and it's showing the growth of the sport. Uh, a lot of stuff really demonstrating that this year, including this. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, have a great evening, Nate, and we'll talk to you another time. See you guys. All See right. Peace out, man. All right, Nick. So Nate Heinel, uh, awesome to come on the show and talk gonna, to us about their decisioning. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to have to cut you off, but from what I'm seeing on a delayed YouTube stream, I have, we are concurrently over 300 <laughs> viewers. So yeah. at some point tonight, yeah, Matt Graham, People, Matt Graham, that's right. will be trying his first beer. Um, good call on that, Nick. Way to keep track on that. Thanks for <laughs> oh, tuning in. in. So I've we will get to that. Yeah. Thank you to everyone tuning in. I uh, really appreciate that. For anyone who doesn't know, Matt has uh, never had a sip of beer in his life. No shame in that. And we have two beer connoisseurs with us, Avery constantly posting about his travels and all the different places that he's able to go. Simon, who has actually brewed his own beer um, and also a beer connoisseur. I love going over to Simon's house. He usually has a plethora of options that I get to choose from. And so uh, what two better guys <laughs> to enjoy his first beer with than those two? And <laughs> I'm reading through some of the comments and it's just cracking me up. To be clear, I have had one sip of beer one and it was it was uh in green bay and it was some sour version that's all i know oh. and so sours are actually my favorite and and when i had it i said oh that's not bad so we'll see he's got a couple different variations here but i'm laughing because uh everyone's comments here someone said matt it's an acquired taste just slam it <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> 
I respect Matt Straight Edge Life. Yeah. So anyways, it's pretty funny. People were watching that very closely. We're still growing the numbers. If we grow the numbers up, maybe I'll drink three of no, okay. You're at least trying three though. You talk about one sip in your life. You're at least trying three sips tonight. So that's pretty good. That's good. good. That is good. We're up minimum. Three hundred percent. I'm about to go get a plane flight and just see you guys tomorrow. I mean, that, that <laughs> might might be what I'm doing. <laughs> All right. Someone's asking if I'm Mormon. No, I grew up fairly conservatively and I'll just leave it at that. So, and by the point I made it to like age, I don't know, 22, 23, 24. I was like, well, dang, I haven't drank yet. I might as well see how far I can get just for the fun of it. It became like one of these social things where it was just like, Hey, I've never drank a beer before. And then like, I'm 36 and I'm like, why stop now? <laughs> like, I let me put it this way. My wife was so she, it gave me an excuse to come home with like 10 discs. She's like, this was when we are more conservative in nature. And she's like, well, I guess you could be bringing home the 12 packs. <laughs> so I was like, discs were great. So sure. No, that's all right. Good. All right. Life is all about balance cool. though. Yes. It's all about the balance. You got it. All right. Exactly. Um, and I'm excited about this. So we will get to that. Um, but let's do this, Nick, let's go ahead and get into um, thanking those who are working to support us at the Nick and Matt show. Um, yeah. So manscaped. This holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Totally appreciate them supporting our show. Do I, I'm going to tell my extended family, I have the performance package 4.0. They're going to be like, hey, you do stuff with Manscaped? I'm going to say yes. They're the global leaders in below the waist grooming. Not to mention it includes the lawnmower 4.0, uh, the trimmer to tame your, your hair, wherever it may be. Uh, you get brownie points with the in-laws, gift yourself Manscaped, and the man in your life who needs it. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off plus, 20% off plus free shipping with the code Nick and Matt. Nick, did you receive your little, uh, your order from uh, Manscaped? I haven't checked my mail recently, so maybe I'll have a nice little goodie bag. What do we have there? Nick, stop getting so excited. Hold on. Very cool. Let me see here. I'm going to pull up a different camera. This, everybody, is the new shampoo conditioner, shampoo plus conditioner, and a very, and I don't mean this in any negative way except to say not feminine bottle. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's heavy metal, okay? And uh, like heavy metal, like music style, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get also get a body wash, daily shower gel. Uh, I'm very excited to try that out. I actually just got it today. Mm -hmm. the yeah, I'm actually, are so up. I'm, I plan on uh, going to the gym after this. So when I get back to my place, take a shower at the end of the night, hopefully that actually will be waiting in the mailbox for me. But I was just about to say, it's a perfect time of the year to start uh, thinking about your future holiday gifts. We have Thanksgiving coming up and then the biggest kind of gift, gift giving holiday with Christmas. Uh, use code Nick and Matt, 20% off your order and free shipping. I'm pretty sure worldwide, Matt. Um, yes. I do love their products. I'll say this. Um, I was attempting to do no shave November. It was very embarrassing. <laughs> I cannot grow a good beard, um, but with the multiple different trimmers that the lawnmower 4.0 comes with, I was able to trim up whatever scuff I had and then actually use a razor, get everything off. I went out to a wine festival. Um, so I was looking nice and clean shaven all thanks to manscaped. Okay. So I just did this live. I just opened up the, the top, the pump top here. And remember how you talked about the smell of the cologne? Mm -hmm. It's right, it's literally right in line with it. It's blowing my mind right now. Like here's the cologne. Perfect. And then I, yes, the shampoo conditioner. It's, it's making me really excited. So one of the massive days coming up is cyber Monday, which is going to be a huge week in the online retailer world. So Manscaped will probably have some more deals going on just about then. So make sure to check them out. 
Cyber Monday, use code Nick and Matt, 20% off your order. Yeah, Nick and Matt, uh, 20% off and free shipping. And I will say, um, I was reading on it. It is gluten-free. So if gluten's not your thing, this is for you. I'm just kidding. It does say gluten-free, but anyways, it's, nice. it's it seems like a great product. We'll have to check back in. Uh, go support them. They support us. All right, Nick, moving into our next topic here. Everyone's saying drink, drink, drink. <laughs> um, getting into our next topic real quick. We, we'd be remiss not to point out the fact that there was a sponsorship announcement, and it was with DD, Dynamic Discs. And Nick, do you know who I'm talking about? Are you watching it that close? It happened today. I do. I actually want to jokingly shout out Hunter Thomas, uh, one of the hosts of Grip Locked, one of the other podcasts on our channel. Um, he did call this out actually a little while ago, saying he thinks that you know Gavin Rathbun could be on the move, um, and he actually did predict that it would be Dynamic Discs picking him up. So yeah, uh, today it was actually officially announced. I think I've heard actually two different things, or I've read two different things saying one was a one year and then a two year deal. Uh, I'm not sure exactly which one is true, but Gavin, Gavin Rathbun previously sponsored by Discmania, actually had to end his 2021 season a little early with a, I think a shoulder tear ended up getting surgery on it. Um, had a pretty good season. I do remember he played very well in Des Moines. Uh, also did pretty well at one of the Silver Series events. Had a cool ace caught on video, I think by Gatekeeper GK Pro. I think it was GK Pro. And um, but he is on the move to Dynamic Discs for the next two years, is what it seems like. All right, and I, I don't want to say there's any awkwardness, but we got Disc Mania guys in the room, and Gavin was with them. Tell us a little bit about your understanding of Gavin's game, because we saw a little bit of him this year. You can at least speak to that. I mean, your perspective on his game. Gavin, uh, awesome, awesome young player. One of the, one of the far throwers on tour nowadays. Um, I didn't get to see him play too much cause I missed half of the season. Your microphone just cut out. Sorry. It's that cord. Check, check, there check. There you go. You're back. Yeah. So like, uh, I said that he missed the last half of the season or the last couple of tournaments and I missed the first half of the season. So I didn't get to play with him at all. I think this year. But of course, I was watching live or on Jomez, and he uh, he was smashing it. He had some great events. It was awesome as a team disc mania. You know, last week I tried to explain why we have this this team feeling, even though we're all solo out there. But no, it was awesome, awesome for disc mania, awesome, awesome to watch, and a bit sad to see him go. But uh, I just wish him the best and uh, good luck next year. Avery, what's your involvement with Discmania's team now? Like, what's your role with the teams? So I am the team manager at Team Discmania, and uh, we had some great conversations uh, last week, uh, kind of going in depth on what what Gavin's trying to accomplish and what he's trying to do within the sport. And um, phenomenal player, um, great attitude, super outgoing, charismatic personality. Really like the guy. And uh, just where he was going and where he was really trying to aspire to as a player uh we were trying to do our best to support that but in his mind he was looking for a lot of other things as well and spoke to uh, you know family members close to him his mother and they had some kind of heart-to-heart talks and decided that was the best choice for him and his future as a player and so you know i, I wish him all the best again it was it was great to have him on the team for the short time we did have him in two, 2021 um, but I, we wish him all the best and uh, look forward to seeing him out there on tour next year. 
Yeah, I feel like you're obviously there. It is Nick. Obviously, you're in a unique you're in a unique <laughs> position with um, members of the disc golf community. One, they might want sponsorships. Um, two, you might actually have them on your team, and then they move somewhere else, and that's all part of your role. Um, we talked about this a little bit, I think, last week. Was the idea of like how is this going to work going forward? Are manufacturers going to be the main sponsor of disc golf players, right? Or is it going to become an elite few where I feel like it's kind of, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Avery, but Discmania's model kind of is very, it's a smaller team than most teams. Am I wrong with that? And it seems like they're more elite. We are a smaller company and I wouldn't say our team's that small, but when you look at the, the bigger rosters uh, like an Innova or a Discraft, I think we would be smaller. We're running about a 40 player roster. So it's, it's comfortable. It's, it's high quality players. It's a good regional representation by a lot of players and really just trying to look for high quality individuals, good players on the course, but also great uh, people and individuals off the course as well. So you try and get the package deal when you're trying to sponsor an individual that's marketable represents the brand well and uh likes throwing our product and, and you know enjoys throwing our discs yeah i guess my and i was trying to make a point but i wanted your feedback yeah. on that is like how much how many players could disc mania take i mean like that's there's going to be a limit and my point is i guess sure. and and at some point you're not going to be able to take more unless they just want to pay you to represent you sure <laughs> and you know when you talk <laughs> yeah. about the the high elite obviously there's a some uh, some notable names at the top of the list when you t when you think about Dismania, um, Simon Eagle being two of those, and Kyle Klein being an aspiring young player that's definitely taking a top spot. So we definitely have our our crush boys, Treesum, if you will, um, mm -hmm. and it's it's great. It's everything they do to build up the brand and and hype the company. They do a great job on the course, obviously, but they do great, phenomenal job. I'd say uh, representing their own personal brands as well. So it's been a a treat to be a, a team manager for Simon Eagle and the and the rest of the team. And uh, we have a lot of young up-and-comers that are trying to make a name for themselves and, you know, great do great things within the sport. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so that's, that's one. Nick, I still feel like there's going to be a few other really big changes this offseason. And I'm talking. Yeah. I don't know if I have my ear to the ground on this one, but I had my ear to what you were saying the other day and you don't know for sure, but we kind of all feel like there's something coming. So everyone keep your eyes peeled and your ears open. Yeah. Um, Nick. I'm excited I'm for it. I, I, I love this part of the season in the sense of like, I love kind of seeing where players are taking their futures. Um, a lot of what the players are looking at now is a foreseeable future of being able to play the sport of disc golf and with manufacturers, um, kind of getting a lot more on board with that as of late, um, opening up these big contracts and contracts that are helping players be able to consistently pursue their dreams. And a lot of players coming out in this last year on the FBO side and the MPO side, um, really coming out and showing their skill set. Uh, I think, you know, players kind of have a lot of, a lot of room to grow now and they have a lot of room to branch themselves off from maybe their long-term sponsor they've had recently. Uh, I think another really cool thing are the uh, agencies coming out and players actually working with an agency, almost, you know, people who know how to talk the talk and find the worth of a player going up to these bigger companies where before it was just a player saying, Hey, you know, and it, you know, I could be wrong about this, but most of the time players going up saying, Hey, this is what I think I'm worth. 
then the manufacturer potentially comes back at a different number. You meet hopefully somewhere in the middle. Um, I'm also excited for outside sponsors. Uh, I'm curious what players will bring in those outside sponsors, maybe, you know, an apparel deal with Adidas or a shoe deal with someone else. Um, not just the manufacturer standpoint of it, but other companies looking to really get into the sport and help, you know, kind of mature these players. Yeah, Avery. I was going to chime in real quick. I'm actually looking for that Manscaped sponsorship. You're looking at for, you know, companies outside the sport. That's exactly. a solid one for sure. Um, Absolutely. But the, the game has changed. Uh, when you talk about sponsorship deals and talking about players to what the player value is these days and trying to kind of find that number, players are receiving more in sponsorship now than ever before. And I'm going to say right now, like today's day to two, three years prior to this, Players weren't, you know, they weren't lobbying and they weren't pushing for as much. And there's a few players that did. And I think they broke through to kind of change the game. And it's it's all good. It's all good things, you know, aspiring to the sport for players pushing the sport in the way that, you know, certain players have to attain these big sponsorships. But I'm going to tell you right now, like sponsorship wasn't like this, especially when I was playing. It was a much different level. Um, a lot of. uh you know, manufacturers found other ways to sponsor players through royalties or performance-based systems. But nowadays it's, it's straight up, it's straight up cash. It's straight up, you know, monthly stipends. It's a, a yearly or multi-year contracts. And then you're talking about agents or agencies representing players, whole new ball game these days um, within disc golf. And I get to kind of, kind of see it and feel it and be a part of all that right now with a lot of off season, uh, conversations and agreements being, uh, taking place right now. So the chat, one is, of the things the, that I am, uh, yeah, I go was going to say the chat is saying Macbeth to prodigy question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's going to close out his 10 year deal. Um, no, I was going to say, uh, I'm also really looking forward to, and I, I hope this happens. You see it in every single other sport, um, public contracts. I'm, I'm hoping that companies will start releasing, you know, or players signing with them. will just say like, Hey, this is how much I'm making. Even if it's, you know, one year, 30,000 or $40,000 deal. I mean, that's still a majority or excuse me, that's still more money than a lot of people are making at, you know, their everyday job. And so with players being able to go out and publicly share that information, uh, it lets you value their worth. Um, for or your own worth potentially if you think you're a better player or if you know you're a little lesser of a player than them um, I am hoping that the future of disc golf will be uh, public contracts as well not not if UC has anything to say about it <laughs> I'm not gonna put up cameras for Avery or Simon on that yeah. one um, but all right so let's move into this next topic and I want Simon's opinion but I don't know if he's gonna be able to answer it but I'm gonna go ahead and throw it to him is um, ESPN2 just had coverage of the disc golf pro tour finale did you get a chance to watch i saw you promote it did you have a chance to see it no i don't have tv <laughs> you only have like <laughs> and maybe i shouldn't throw this out you have like the nicest tv but you don't have like tv well like, i don't have cable is that how we call it here in the states yeah, sure. cable TV's or satellite fine. i don't yeah, know I don't, I don't i don't get normal channels i watched youtube and disc golf network <laughs> and you guys were hanging out together so avery you didn't see it either no, we've been busy. Okay. We've been busy every single day for the last week. So I'm going to go around the room. Evan, did you have a chance to see it? I watched maybe like two minutes of it during football commercials. Uh, <laughs> football was on, so I'm going to be honest. I was watching that most of the day. Uh, Sunday afternoon's a tough, uh, tough uh, time slot in the fall to go up against football. Mm -hmm. This is interesting, and I'm going to ask Nick, did you have a chance to see it? I did. I actually watched okay. almost the whole thing of it. Uh, the Patriots were just about over at that point, yeah, um, and they were also time. blowing out. 
They're also what's that? It started <laughs> I said at that game was over at halftime. <laughs> oh yeah, ex- exactly. They're blowing out the Browns, and so you know we kind of switched off of that because we did want to watch. Um, we did want to watch the ESPN two coverage of the Pro Tour Championships, and so I I was able to actually watch a large majority of it. And um, I'll let Matt. You can go ahead and say if you said it, but I do have opinions on it when we're ready. Okay, I'll give my opinion. You give yours. We'll call it a wrap. Because sure. well, I mean, we can still get feedback from the room. Um, I think what was really interesting is that they decided to do a, a totally different take on how they presented disc golf to the greater public, if you will. And the way they did that was not showing hole by hole play or stroke by stroke, hole by hole. They did what could be kind of described. Have you ever watched like a road to the championship, like on some sports documentary? Okay. They did that style where they would show highlights from events and they actually showed the tour traveling around the country and they'd pull up the map and it's all high you know definition graphics and they use the announcer voice and now moving into maple hill you know like they do this and they talk about coming into this event here's the storyline leading into this event and they have the voiceover doing it really epic good job uh talking about this player and when they're coming down to the final round how did it play out okay paul won katrina won but they They have now all the pressers for each of these events. So things that you might say, Simon, uh, they are taking that and they're saying we can use that to produce high quality content because you said something there that helps the storyline. And so they did that for two hours. They played through the whole tour. I think you'd find it interesting if you get a chance to watch it. Um, And then they make it to the finale and and they said, here's the finale and here's how it played out. Nathan Queen, 28th seed. And they played through the whole it was it was well done. It was a story. Uh, the only thing that I have one, and it's not a negative opinion on the production. It was my feeling towards it at some point. It felt a little bit long, even for a disc golfer like me. It was enjoyable because I wanted to see each tour stop. But it was almost like if I wasn't a disc golfer, like I might have been like, this is feels like a lot of the same. But mm-hmm. I loved it as a disc golfer. But that was just my only takeaway. What's your what's your opinion on it, Nick? Uh, so I missed that part of it. I actually didn't know that, um, it's at the beginning of it when I did watch it, when they were, uh, displaying the pro tour finale, uh, they had some highlights of Gannon. They had some highlights of Emerson Keith, uh, uh, Nathan queen. And, um, I I'll say this. I liked it. It was good coverage. Um, great camera work and everything like that. Uh, as someone who has watched a lot of live disc golf, whether it's in person or on the TV and then watched a lot of post round production, it felt a little slow to me the way they were kind of playing it out. It did showcase a lot of the incredible shots, especially uh, Nathan Queens on hole 16. It showed how hyped up he was um, him talking about his final tee shot on 18, how he knew right when he threw it, he said, okay, that's, you know, that's pretty much the one. And um, so you got to see that experience. You got to see, you kind of felt like you were there in the moment. So the ending of it was very good. Uh, it did feel a little bit slow kind of going through all the rounds. I didn't really know what to expect out of it. Um, so I didn't really have high expectations or low expectations of it. I would be curious in the future to legitimately see, you know, starting on hole one, if they were to do two separate streams of it on the FPO side and then the MPO side, I would be curious to see what the reactions would be if they were to literally start it from hole one, all four players teeing off. And then you play around like that showcasing some for this event, you wouldn't be able to, but for other events showing other cards kind of when, you know, if someone's making a push from the chase card or whatever, but I thought all in all, it was a good production. I did very much enjoy watching it. 
And uh, it was cool to kind of see that moment again, watching the Cinderella story unfold with Nathan Queen end up winning it at all. Um, spoiler alert, I know we're a few weeks past, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's hard because I am an idea generator. Like, that's actually what I do for my work. I'm an innovation coordinator for work. And, like, I just think up ideas and like i could sit here all day and think up oh they could have done this or they could have done that or they could have told a story throughout the whole event of one tournament round like they could have done the same thing right but in the end of the day like that's not my job that was the disc golf mm -hmm. network's job and i'm sure they did the best with everything that they have at the place we are in disc golf this was the best mm -hmm. product we could put out mm -hmm. i don't know if there's any way around that and if some people say well the best product we can put out sucks well I don't personally feel that way. I think it's where we're at. So we are doing the best mm -hmm. we can. It's, it's all depends on the scale you grade on. If it's against PGA golf, then yes, almost everything is going to be poor performance compared to that. But if you compare it against mm -hmm. where we're at in disc golf, it is probably the best that we could do right now. So I'm, yeah. I'm proud of it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I think I also, I love what I love. Yeah, go ahead. Evan. I was just gonna, I, something to consider too, is all of us are going to be bad at critiquing this because none of us were the target audience. Uh, none of <laughs> us, like not a single person in the chat right now was the target audience. Uh, it was for people just flipping through the channels. They have ESPN and ESPN two. They turn on ESPN two. They hear the nice soothing deep voice and they're like, Ooh, what is this? And then they watch it for maybe 30 minutes or so they're engaged. Maybe they don't watch the whole two hours. That's a lot to ask, but just for people coming to the channel, learning about it. Now it's in their brain. They know about disco. That's a great point. And I will say sitting back and watching it, I was like, oh, I can imagine this, how this would be for someone who wasn't watching. They're going to like kind of doze off and they'll be like, oh, this is kind of it's it was relaxing to watch. And there was a story to yeah. be told. So that was cool. And uh, I enjoy I, I love watching that course. I love watching how the players in the final nine, they showcase a lot of the big putts that Drew Gibson hit saying, you know, he's got his back up against the wall at this point. Bam, he cans a 70 footer right. on hole 16 to keep that stroke alive versus Nathan queen who just threw this incredible tee shot. Um, I love watching that course, love watching the pros carve it up, whether it's on the FPO side or the MPO side. So watching that course to me as a player who does enjoy playing in the woods more and watching in the woods more, I thought was great. Um, I do think that there will be moments to where we showcase bigger courses as in, you know, when they showcase DDO on ESPN two and being able to watch the pros look, this is how far they actually throw a disc and how accurately they can throw a disc while throwing it. 450, 500, 550 feet or whatever. Um, yeah, all in all, I, I will say it was a, it was a fun experience to watch it. I do love being able to say, Hey, disc golf made it on ESPN two again, and being able to show it to people who might not have really ever seen disc golf before. Yeah. So. And that's exactly it. I'm glad you phrased it at the very end. There's <laughs> disc golf on ESPN two. Think about it again, disc golf on ESPN two. That wasn't something that happened two, three, four years ago. Even it's wild, even being on your cell phone, watching live coverage at tournaments these days, did it several times throughout several rounds this year, but to see disc golf and ESPN two, we're doing things. And that's, that's phenomenal to see disc golf that level. And it's just the beginning. Yeah. That mm -hmm. I think everybody's contribution there. Simon kicked it off. I gave a point. Uh, Nick and then Evan, and then rounding it out with one time world champion. I told my wife tonight, Avery, I said, sometimes I talk about who comes over. I don't talk about Simon anymore. <laughs> Simon's coming. He's old news veteran. He's old veteran news. The show. <laughs> I'm like, honey, it's not every day you have a world champion coming to your house. And I, I want you to know, and maybe I'm fanboying a little bit, 
But I really think that is a real big accomplishment. And it doesn't really matter what I think. I imagine that's a huge feeling of accomplishment for you in your life, a world champion title. Absolutely. It's, it's everything that I aspired to do within my career. And I was very fortunate to obviously put it all together and, and make that happen. But you look at it since 1982, there's only 19 MPO champions. So there's only yeah. 19 of us within that title. And obviously several others within FPO and, and many masters world champions out there and a lot of amateur world titles, but you know, to be one of those 19, very, very honored, very grateful. So thanks for having me. No problem. Anytime. I think you, this is not to put you down a notch. I think you're the third world champion we've had in here on, in this room. So. Really? Okay. I, what Nick, else we got? Nick, help me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like it would be, well, Paige wasn't we've, in here on the show, but Paige has been in my house, like hanging out. Yeah. We've and had Paul on the show. Paul. Are we missing um, any other? I will be really upset if we miss another. Paul and Avery. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of uh, any FBO players. If we've had them at the house on the show. Um, no, I don't think would, world champion wise. How no. many on the couch though? On the couch. You're the second on the okay. couch. Uh, cool. It would be. Yeah. He might be the second world champion that we've had in general there. Who else there besides go. Paul? Yes. Second in studio. As I said, like we yeah. I've because I live here in Leicester, we've had plenty of time to have a lot of the touring players here. Um, but yeah, I think third total in the house, second on the seat. You're doing good, Avery. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Quite an honor. Thanks guys. We got to sell. Now yeah. we can sell the couch for a little bit more. Like, I don't know. Auction <laughs> there it we off go. sometime. When, when Nick needs to hit the tour full and hard, we'll just sell the couch, Nick. Exactly. Sounds good Wait. to me. I'll pay for my next stop. <laughs> okay. Um, let's do this. Because people still want me to drink. We're going to get there. We're almost up to 400 live now. Um, so let's do stat or fiction. And let's see where we're at with that. And maybe we can do a little bit of sipping while we do judge that disc golfer. I'm thinking that's kind of maybe how it goes here. So. Are we going to show why we're in oh, town? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. We can do that at the end. No, I'm well, kidding. Let's, let's do this here. I mean, there's that was something I, I was going right, to I was going to ask that earlier, but I figured that would be a topic that you guys just brought up on your own. So, but yeah, <laughs> oh, so I, I would love to know. I thought, Matt, had, I thought yeah. Matt was ready to go, but we are ready to go. So I did line this up. So let me put it in here. If there's a little echo in the very first half second, I'm going to fix it. But let's go ahead and play this out here. This is an for those that are listening, driving around in the car, you will hear a little bit of audio. You'll hear some music. This is an intro video for a cool project you've got going it's on. It's not really an intro. It's like a teaser. Okay. Like, uh, I just threw this together this morning, just <laughs> real quick and spontaneously because we decided to come on the Nick and Match Show. I thought it would be cool to show something. But the reason Avery's in town is, of course, Disc Golf Park Course Design, Nashua, New Hampshire. And I, I signed a deal with the Disc Golf Network, which is uh, pretty exciting for to me and Avery do a little vlogging adventures. And this is the teaser for that. Wow. Moving up from YouTube, huh? Disc Golf Network. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and um, put this up here. And hopefully this plays well. I didn't get a test on it, but here we go. Oh, not that. Not me. We got to put the video up. Here we go. Three, two, one. Play. Why, why isn't it playing? Hold on. Do, do, do. Oh, it was playing, but. That's also the wrong clip. This is the wrong clip? Okay. It starts with my face. Okay. So do this while I'm fixing that. Talk, talk more about this project, and then I will show the video. Sorry, I didn't go the other way. Yeah. So uh, Avery has been actually in Massachusetts. This is the fourth time this year. Um, so a lot of things going on. People want more disc golf courses, and 
New Hampshire, Nashua, New Hampshire is uh, definitely on that on that list of places that really wants the next big thing. They want they want to be the first disc golf park in the state of New Hampshire, which is uh, exciting. And Avery's, of course, uh, well traveled, has played over twelve hundred courses throughout the world. And I'm local now, so who better to walk in the woods and try to design a disc golf course? More than just being local, uh, Simon, obviously being a world-class player, but (laughs) just talking about this is full circle. This is over a year in progress from when we started discussions about, you know, even having the potential to bring a, a disc golf park into Nashua and went through an entire approval process, looking at several different properties until we set on one. And then we had to wait for so many different city council meetings and and board of director meetings to finally get approval on this beautiful park. It's called Roby Park in South Nashua. It's like literally touching the the border of Massachusetts and 48 acres, kind of rolling hillside, creek through the middle, a lot of thick woods, but really cool terrain and a good variety. Um we're looking for just some really nice disc golf through the woods, a good variety of shot shapes, good variations on distances looking in the par 60 range. Um, and there's going to be some longer holes out there. So we're just trying to bring something different to the area and really open up some fairways and have some really throwable, you know, some throwable holes that people are going to enjoy. So it's a, it's a work in progress right now, us locking down the design, us, actually staking out the holes from T-Pad to Basquete was a huge accomplishment after five days and 35 something miles. Um, we've been putting a lot of time and, and hours and miles out there, but tomorrow we actually go through and GPS mark and lock everything in position. And then we're going to wait about six to eight months for the clearing to take place. I'll come back. Me and Simon will walk through the property again, check out those lines, check out those placements of baskets and T-Pads and get approval to f- probably do a second clearing and then possibly looking at put in baskets and tee pads. So it's, it's one of those things with a disc golf course, nothing happens overnight. It's a lengthy mm-hmm. process just to get approval then design it and then clear it. So there's a lot of work goes into it, but it's going to be worth in the end and uh, looking forward to having a, a really nice top notch course in the area. That's going to represent not only New Hampshire, but Massachusetts, Vermont, Maine, just the Northeast in general, I think it's going to be a really nice destination course. And that's the goal. All right. I think I've got it. I think I've got it. So let me go ahead and play this intro video for it. Welcome, Welcome everyone, everyone to a Disc Golf Network exclusive. I'm super excited to be out here on a co-design with Simon and look forward to an awesome week of uh, putting in uh, a fantastic disc golf park. Nice crop, Matt. Yeah, nice crop. So we can either do that again another time or, um, yeah, there we go. That's what happens when you try to set it up on the fly. Tell him, Simon. And tell, I sent tell it him to you like 12 hours ago. Come you, on. Yeah, man, not everyone has a disc golf job. <laughs> so Simon actually came up with a name. Um, it's really, it's it's about the, the they journey. They couldn't even read the name. Yeah, here. I know, but tell him about the name. Here, hold on. I'm going to okay. do it one more time. I'm going to do it one more time. Okay. It was that good. It's only 30 seconds. Yeah, it's only 30 seconds. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to 
a disc golf network exclusive. I'm super excited to be out here on a co-design with Simon and look forward to an awesome week of uh, putting in a, a fantastic disc golf park. Hype is real. No, this is, I mean, I'm stoked that the Disc Golf Network uh, contacted me, that they liked my YouTube channel so much that they wanted my content on their channel, but I full-on produced it myself, filmed it myself, edited it myself, so it's nothing flashy, but it is, it's uh, very up close, and a lot of me and Avery just stomping through the woods, kind of talking about the process of trying to design a course through thick, thick brush and woods and using your imagination and getting creative with it and doing other stuff outside of the course as well. We played two rounds, one local at the Hollows, which is the most played course in New Hampshire. And we played a different disc golf park project in Upton, Massachusetts as well. So there's some disc golf in there as well and a lot of beer and some off the course stuff. But, you know, just pretty much just putting the camera on our faces and Having fun with it. Six episodes are going to be on the Disc Golf Network exclusive. So as I was gonna say, nothing Very fancy, cool. but how about that drone work? That drone work was really <laughs> oh, fancy. Yeah, that's that's by far the best part. It doesn't get better than that. Matt came out yesterday <laughs> and some did some awesome drone work and doing a lot of flybys down the trails and then sent one up um, to get that kind of horizon shot at the end. Finding the lines. It's about designing this disc golf park in Nashua. But it's also about the kind of the journey and the adventure uh, that me and Simon partake in every single day, um, regardless if it's designing the course or going out, checking new courses out or checking out new breweries. It's just the, the whole adventure of beating up here in the Northeast and, and hanging out with Simon on a daily basis for a week. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So last thing, that's going to be sometime in December on the Disc Golf Network. The Disc Golf Network is doing a great job trying to find uh, any kind of content that is not live disc golf during the off season, of course, to uh, give the people what they want disc golf content, even if it's not live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love what the disc golf network's kind of doing, just getting in uh, whether it's the scratch to scratch, which has been a pretty great series that's been going on. And then uh, now finding the lines and just seeing the kind of start to finish and the mentality going in through designing a course. And like Avery was saying, it's not just something that happens overnight. This is a long process. I mean, the course out in Upton, Massachusetts, that was something that we've talked about multiple times throughout the show months ago. And it's still a process that's going on because when the disc golf park puts their name on something, they want to make sure that it is something that is worth putting their name on. Um, so I, I'm very curious to see how it comes out, just the course in general and then the finding the lines. Yeah. So I think it's an awesome project. I'm happy to get up there and do the drone footage for you. I enjoy flying drones and even in tight places, that was kind of fun, right? Um, so that went through. And as soon as we did that, our YouTube decided to say that we're doing something weird. So if it's buffering for you, I'm sorry, but we're still going strong on our side. So we're going to keep going. All right. Um, let's go ahead and get into stat or fiction, which means I'm handing it over to Evan here after we get into this intro. Boom, stat or fiction brought to you by Stat Mando, Evan Kearns. <laughs> All right. I think I got some pretty pretty good ones this week. I, I'm pretty excited. Uh, 
Someone said they uh, they feel like Avery will kill Statter Fiction. Uh, I hope I don't get just swept three zero, and I look like I can't come up with good questions. We but... practiced last week. We did yeah. practice. Nice. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. Um, I'm gonna give a quick shout out to PDGA Stats, uh, another uh, kind of stat and reporting uh, Twitter account. They came up with an awesome stat, and I worked off of it to find this one uh, for the first stat or fiction. On October 2nd, 2019, Paul Macbeth shot a 986 round in round one of the USDGC. Macbeth has not shot another round below 1,000 rated to this day. That's 123 rounds, and that's 775 days without a sub-1,000 rated round. Wow. I'm going to be the voice off camera, and I'll just start it because I'm not actually going to be participating with the points version of this. I'm just going to react to that stat and say that would be a very cool stat to have. Um, and it'd be interesting to see if that is a stat, how many other players have that. Um, Nick, we're going to start with you. What do you think? Is that a stat? 120 plus rounds, not playing below 1,000 rated. 123. 123. 775 yeah. days. I'm going to go with stat. All right. We can put stat up for Nick. We're going to... Uh, that's, yeah, go ahead, Simon. That's, if it's a stat, that's insanely impressive. No wonder he beats me all the time by a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with stat as well. Uh, he just seems that good. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm kind of leading this, but Evan is too. Uh, Avery, you're up. Just, just based on just first reaction on that, that's phenomenal. If that was true, <laughs> I don't think it's true. I think you slip up every once in a while, and I slip up quite often. But I. I can see a slip up every once in a while. Every great player has, you know, a day like that. So I'm going to say it's a, it's a no go. All right. So we put fiction up for Avery. I'm just looking at the chat right now and there's both coming in, but most people are saying stat. I think that's being swayed by Simon and Nick answering first. There might be, they see there's more fictions coming in now that Avery answered. <laughs> All right, Evan. Did, did you say stat or fiction? I or didn't you? say I'm not playing for points. If I had to guess, though, I'm going with Avery on this one because, like he said, first reaction of that would just be, like, that incredible. So kudos if it is, but, yeah, fiction for me. All right. This is a stat. How unbelievable is that? I was blown away. I could not believe it. Um, he has had only two rounds in that time period that are under 10-10 rated. That's even more unbelievable. That's, that's disgusting. The, the closest off day, ones off day. Yeah. The closest ones yeah. he's had is a 10, a 10 Oh two at the 2020 tour championship. Uh, that's when he got the bye to the semis uh, and then didn't make to the finals for that first uh, ESPN uh, coverage. And then he had a 1007 at 2020 Idlewild, uh, which was when he was leading by three strokes going into the final round and, and ended up not taking it away. So uh, not to be the damper on that because 123 straight rounds over a thousand. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, he is the only uh, player who played uh, a pro tour, national tour, Euro tour, or prodigy disc pro tour in 2021 that has gone all of 2020 and 2021 without a sub 1000 rated round, like zero, uh, not just 123 rounds, but zero under a thousand. There's only one other person who went all of 2020, all of 2021 without a sub 1000 rated round. And that's Ricky Wysocki. His last one was uh, Waco wow. in 2020. I believe. I wonder what my longest streak would have been with, without going under a thousand, probably like three weeks. 
<laughs> I'm at a I'm at one round right now. I'm pretty sure my last round that I played was like 1020, and uh, the one before that was like 960 or 970. So I'm at one. All right. Well, I'll I'll absolutely run that later and see what your longest streak was. And Nick, maybe I'll lower it to like 950 or something. Um, No, I mean, dude, like, uh, dude, give me something good, like 980. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, And into stat or fiction number two, Uh, from all the 2021 events that uh, excluding majors, elite and uh, disc golf pro tour silver series. The Memorial Championship in Arizona had the most 1,000 plus rated players with 41 in MPO. Okay, short and sweet. That event had the most 1,000 or higher rated players in MPO with 41. Out of any other elite series event? Out of any other non elite series, non majors, non silver. So only like A and below. So A, A tier and below. Yeah. Which event did you say? Uh, the Memorial. Oh, okay. Memorial. I, for some reason, I was thinking um, uh, whatever Innova's event is there. Okay. Um, well, let Simon go first. Yeah. Uh, I'll yeah, go, go first. Ahead, Simon. First instinct is that that has to be true. I can't think of a different event that has more status and has been an elite series for longer than the Memorial, but now is not anymore. And 41,000 plus rate players. Sheesh. That's a lot. I'll say stat. So you're saying 2021 Memorial. 2021 Memorial. That's a tournament that's fell off considerably in the last couple of years with Vegas kind of taking the reins on an early tournament series uh, of the season. I'm going to say it's, I'm going to say it's fiction. I'm just going to keep on running that fiction train. <laughs> what, do you I, have a tournament in mind that would have more? No, but I just don't think it's that. I don't okay. though. Yeah. See, I'm kind of on the boat with Avery right now because I actually went to that. I didn't play it, but I don't feel like there was 40,000-plus rated players at it. I know Paul won it this year, so I, I want to go fiction. I, I think there was a lot of 1,000-rated players, maybe the most at an A tier, but I don't think it was, what you say, 44? 41. 41. Wait, is 41, 41 not a fact that this it was? This is what I'm going to say. Is that, that part of the part question? Of and Yeah. <laughs> It could be 20. He could be throwing. Oh, I, I wouldn't understand do, the question. No, that's okay. I wouldn't do something silly like it's 42 okay. or 40, but okay. also like that. I, I wouldn't worry about that. Okay. Let's not focus I'm, on I'm the number. Fiction. Yeah. I put you so up. It's stat. So it's <laughs> Simon's staying with stat. Um, I don't know. This would be a flip of the coin. I don't know the answer and I don't, I don't want to waste everybody's time talking it out because they did. So what's the answer? We wasted people's time. No, I'm <laughs> saying sound like, I, oh yeah, actually it did. I don't want to waste people's time because you guys already eloquently wasted discussed time. it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. I'll, I'll hurry up. Stat. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. This is a stat. Yes. Oh, um, takes the lead boy. <laughs> wow. Uh, the Memorial had 41. The next highest uh, non-elite major or silver was uh, the Lone Star Classic with 30. Uh, the European Disc Golf Championship was third with 29. Um, and, oh, yeah, that's all I had with it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, all. 11 more than the next highest. So, uh, yeah, still a, a, a really quality event, um, kind of early season event for people to play. Awesome. All right. That's wild. I didn't realize there was that many. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of on. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Sorry. No, I could go on for hours <laughs> on that. Um, okay. So stat fiction number three, keeping it on the memorial. Uh, both Avery and Simon's best ra- um, rated rounds ever in their career were both of the memorial. Uh, Avery at 1092, uh, Simon an 1110. Is that how you say that? An 1110. <laughs> what a round. <laughs> yeah, right? 
Um, combined, uh, here's another stat friction. Combined, Avery and Simon have eight rounds rated at 1090 or higher at the Memorial. Eight rounds, 1090 or higher? 1090 or higher. Wait, which player? Simon? Simon yeah, and Simon. Avery combined oh. together in their careers. Eight total. Uh, fact for Matt. For me. Fact. Oh, sorry. Stat. Sorry, stat. Ooh. It's my own it's my own segment, too. That's all right. You can I'm bust going it. last. All right. All right, Nick, you're up. Uh shoot. I mean, is that gonna be three stats in a row? Now now you got me confused on that one. So I'm like, I wanna say fiction, but at the same time, I'm like I mean, the year that what Simon won it, didn't you average like eleven hundred at it? What was it, four rounds? So I'm sure I mean those were all almost over time ten ninety. But a part of me doesn't think there's three stats in a row. So now I'm going to go fiction on it. Fiction for Nick. All right, Avery. Wow. So, wow. <laughs> that, that tournament coughs up 1,100 rated rounds like no other. So there's so many high rated rounds coming out of Memorial every year. I know I have that one over, over the 1090 at 1092. I don't think Simon has that seven. And I'm just on that fiction train, I guess. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> fiction. I, I'm right now. I'm just confused because I would think, why would you go three stats in a row? <laughs> he's trying oh, to game he's the game. Nick's whole mentality of it. That's yeah. terrible. It's, it, it's mentality. like it's like when you do a multiple choice and there's three B's in a row. You know, know. one of them is wrong. I'm questioning <laughs> it's gotta it. Got to be. That's so oh, funny. I'm, I'm going. I'm we, going back to my MCAS days. I mean, shoot. <laughs> Simon, you know your stats. Is it possible that two of those are stat and one's fiction? Of the three things you said? Uh, or they're all true or they're all false? I mean, yeah, technically all true or all false. I did say that the first part was true, that they're both your highest rated rounds ever at 10 oh. and 11, 10. Oh, that's, so that so was the, part the of stat it. or fiction on this one is uh, combined, you two have eight at 1090 or higher at the Memorial. Oh, eight, 1090 or higher? This whole question's on you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I'm going to say fiction. I don't think we have eight combined. So I'm the only one who yeah, went with stat. You said fact. Yeah, well, all right. No, I'm, just I'm not the one who said Paul got 100 grand at Leadstone <laughs> in four years. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, all right. Fair enough, fair going enough. back and forth. Okay. All right, <laughs> moving on to the answer to this one. This one is a stat. I wanted to say stat I so come badly. In. So, Avery, you actually have two. You had one in uh, 2008 where you had a 1090 exactly, and then 2012 was your 1092, your highest of all time. Simon, you first got one in 2015, then you got another in 2015. Uh, that was 1090, 1094. Then 2016, you had a 1091. 2018, you had a 1096. And 2019, you had the 1110 and then a 1090 in the next round. I know. Through two rounds, I was averaging 11, 1100. Yeah, and was... we can end the conversation there. How's the strategy working out for you, Nick? Oh. Uh, awful <laughs> at this point. I definitely <laughs> thought that would have played into effect. So. But... Yeah, no. so fun fact on that, I have like yeah. five or six stat or fiction questions here, and I was like, couldn't choose which one I wanted to do, and I was fumbling them all around, so then I was just like, ah, oh, these three are good. Run I think these all. are the best I got any chance to come back. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so yeah, uh, Simon, you won. You won. I wanted the clean sweep so badly, though. Did he win the clone? <laughs> Never go <laughs> the with body strategy. Wash. Might as well. Go with your gut. All right. That's life. Let's close this one out. Stat Mando. Oh, look, it It pulled up Avery Jenkins as Nate Heinel. That's pretty funny. Let's move out of that real quick. Here we go. Real Avery Jenkins on the couch. Okay. 
That's pretty good. I'm starting to get excited about uh, a, a little beer tasting. It, can we do Ooh. our own little like flight tray? Do we? We don't have that. I don't have that <laughs> hookup. That would be pretty sweet. So we were actually going through your glassware selection. <laughs> Where's the beer? And box? I was I was quite disappointed. <laughs> like no snifters, no proper glassware. Even some sample, some like little taster glasses or something. Even some shot glasses would have worked in this case. We got full pint glasses. So it's not the full on experience that you would have, uh, you know, at a nice proper tasting, but you will get the flavor and, and the good taste on these. So we, sh- we couldn't have thought ahead on this really because we didn't know this was all coming together, but it would have been nice to get some of the bevel craft, maybe some of the oh bevel gosh. glass. We could have the whole next thing. time. Well, I was bringing beers regardless. You just didn't know. Now that you're a drinker, <laughs> I'll bring more beers. Yeah, exactly. My fridge is too full. Now that I'm a drinker, okay, we'll, we'll get we'll we'll call it sipping for now. Now we'll, that you're a sipper, it's <laughs> a sipper. Okay, but we are gonna do judge that disc golfer. But let's do it. Let's kind of mix this in a little bit. So let's start out before we get into the judge that disc golfer segment with. I'm gonna let you kind of lead the way on this as far as like what we try first. We'll take a break and we'll do a little segment of the game. We'll try another. We'll we'll check back in. I'm thinking I will give you feedback, but I'll let you kind of run this like. I'll give you a feedback, a rating, a scale. You tell me what I'm tasting, and I'll tell you what I think about it. Yeah. And I guess everyone can do that, too, if that's fair game for Absolutely. everybody. All right. All right, so go ahead. Take it away. <laughs> Am I cracking? Are we doing Yeah. No, cracking? go ahead. Let's start it off with this. Let's start it out with... Use the microphone if you're talking. And use cracking. Yours. I'll use yours. So this is, a, this is a, an IPA picked up at Trillium, Fenway, minutes after I got off the plane on Wednesday, um, directly to the brewery to pick up a couple four packs. And this is actually the one I had on tap while I was waiting for my four packs to get packed. And it's a trail side IPA um, on the lighter side. I would say six, five, six, eight, six, eight. And it's a, uh, it's got strata and citra hops. Those are hop varieties. They carry a lot of citrus kind of piney notes to them. Um, I think this is a really good IPA, just a straight up standard, very basic IPA, but good flavor. And it's a trillion beer. This is like some of the best out of Massachusetts. And I absolutely love it. So, okay. So tell me, um, cause you're really experienced with beer and I'm, Oh, that was a nice sound though. I mean, that's the sound of commercials. Um, what do, what's people's preferences? It's all over the board. Or is there like a generally accepted, like, Hey, like everybody likes this, or is that not how beer is? beer it's blowing my it blew my mind when i first came to the states actually the beer culture here with the micro brewing scene being compared to the german beer scene like this is so different and going to a brewery like i i don't know if a lot of people don't know this but it's it's such a cool experience they have often like a dozen or 20 up, up to 20 30 different beers listed and they can range from sour to super bitter to sweet to fruity to juicy to coffee flavor to chocolate coconut. It's just I love it. I love the microbrewing culture and the craft beers, everything. And uh, as everything in life, that everything and especially taste is subjective. So everyone will have their personal favorites. Which okay, mine will be this. This is very this. good beer. Okay, so I, I want to hear. You really like this beer. And I just brought this glass over. And are you supposed to smell beer? Like, yeah. It's like wine? Like, it's like a fine wine, like a good bourbon. Like you, you, you take, the, take in the nose. 
good, good. The more it looks like orange juice, the better it is. And did you say citrus? It's a it's a citra hop, so it does have citrus notes to it. Um, and then strata gives a little more bitterness, a little more piney. And uh, it's again, it's just really you'll find your IPA you like, and this is like one of my favorite IPAs this week for sure. Wow. Uh, good carbonation to it, just good flavor, and I think it's warmed up a little bit sitting here. All right, so I'm not gonna delay any longer, Nick. I apologize, man. This is hey, it's all right. It makes me want to go get a beer after the show, but uh, all right, yeah. you would enjoy this one, Nick. I'm gonna go for the sip. Oh, it, let's see. Okay, so juice. My reaction juice. to this is honestly, did you say this was a strong flavor? Because I didn't feel like it was very strong. Okay, I did recognize the citrus. A light carbonation. Let me try again. I'm trying to think what to compare this to because the funny thing is I don't drink beer. But when I drink this down, I'm like, it has some familiarity to it. It's... if I'm rating this on a scale of drinks that I just love in general, whether it's really sugary or really, I like seltzer, whatever it is, right? Where am I going to put this? I'm not going to put it on a bad scale. I'm going to put it on at a scale of one to five to start out here. I'm going to go a three, but as I think you've talked about acquired, I could see that you could grow to like it. So now when you're drinking this, think of orange juice. This is a new England IPA. This is what, the staple is for IPAs mm. in throughout the region of New England. And this is something they pride themselves on is this hazy, really kind of orangey, yellowish, but orange juicy kind of IPA. Okay. And Nick, I'm sorry to leave you out. Maybe you're going to hold down the chat for a little bit here. <laughs> people are saying you look say, so I'm, sad. I'm just chatting up <laughs> some people right now. They say you look sad. Okay, I like how you did that right as I was taking a drink. I felt like it was one of those social media things where it's like, when you read this word, that's what you hear. You know that one of those weird things where they do the multiple sayings and you hear a word, whatever you read. This was like, he's like, now think orange juice, like right as I'm sipping it. And I'm like, that's it. Like it was orange juice. But yeah, it's orange juice. But with the, I'm assuming it's the beer. What what am I tasting? Hops? You're tasting the hops, but you're also okay. tasting the, it's the unfiltered hops. So that's what gives it that hazy color along with the milk sugar. So it's a lactose that gives it that hazy IPA, juicy goodness. Okay. okay so uh, right now, as it stands, I'm not going to grab this off a shelf to drink it, but I'm new to the game and I don't think it tastes bad. Okay. I actually, I actually like it. Now, this is a serious question because I don't drink often. If I drink this much and I drink that much and I drink that much, am I going to start feeling anything tonight? Or do I need to have one for myself? You'll be good to go. Well, you're You'll not driving home. So. I'm not driving home. So pod- you have a very you have a very long walk to your bedroom afterwards. So this podcast only gets better. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> it only gets better, everybody. Yeah. The podcast only gets better. All right. I'll, let me finish this up. I'll hop in here and say that was my first oh, time. Oh, did you trying- have it? Yeah, truly. Yeah, yeah. I got a glass. Good. Um, and I got to say it was really good. I, this is my favorite kind of beer. Uh, kind of reminds me, have you been to Lone Pine up in Portland, Maine? Oh, sounds oh, good. Yes. Yes. That, that's one of my favorite, uh, breweries. I mean, Portland's got a fantastic scene, but kind of reminds me of their OJ. You can find it in any New England liquor store pretty much. I've had that. Yeah. So it, it, not I quite had, the same, but a little similar. Avery, we had OJ at the, 
At, like two nights ago. We were playing pool. <clears throat> um, what are we? Someone said now? it's an it's an adult orange juice. Um, okay, so let me put this up on camera. Everyone that's watching live, Ooh. if you're if you're driving around, you don't know what I'm doing. But there's Walters. a what do you call that froth? This is a oh pulp. No, the white foam on top that's bubbling. Oh, it's a foam. <clears throat> Froth. Okay, froth. Okay, I was I wasn't far off, uh, but this is a darker. So explain to the listeners what what we're having here and why you gave me so little because this is probably a stronger, more acquired taste. It's not. I just want to make sure you finish it. Um, okay, we're at the same ABV. It's a six point eight, and uh, it's Ma from Treehouse out of Carrollton, Massachusetts. Charlton. Charlton. Carlton, Charlton. I was like, um, wow, I don't yeah. know where that is. Right down the street, by the way. Uh, but one of my favorite breweries in the area, for sure. Known about this brewery for a long time. A lot of locals would bring these out to the, the Green of 18 at Maple Hill. And uh, you'd really enjoy these. But this is uh, not their typical s- strong suit, I would say. Um, they, do an, they do a lot of IPAs. They're known for their, their singles and their doubles, their hazies. This is an, actually an amber ale. Um, so it is an ale. It does have hops in it, but it's, it's roasted malt. So it's not going to be as bitter. It's going to be a little more roasty. It might be a little more sweet. So is it definitely a switch up from the previous IPA we had from Trillium and this is the Treehouse Amber. Okay. I'm going to do the same thing I did last time. Like a wine. The sweet, the malty, the roasted. Okay, before I take the sip, my reaction is, and maybe you explain this to me, and it's probably part of how I was raised a little bit, the conservative lifestyle, household, go to a game at Fenway, and someone would spill beer on me, and I'm like, man, that smells horrible. Now, that's probably a cheap beer, right? Nasty. Okay. That's gross. It's some cheap, warm, yellow beer. It's okay. Really bad. So, I was just saying, that's just alcoholic water. Okay, so where I'm going with that conversation, just not, not saying it for no reason, when I first took my smell here it has more of that beer smell to me doesn't mean it tastes that way i'm about to get to it but that was my my initial reaction oh i can smell it all right here we go let's see i might have swallowed it too fast but that is definitely worse it's it's what i said actually it, i well it, as far as flavors go yes it's not that orange juice okay but as far as Drinkability. There we go. <laughs> He's feeling it, folks. <laughs> think about the roasted. Think about the sweetness. Very mild for a six point eight. Like this is a very like very drinkable beer. Like you could, you don't have the bitterness. You don't have the hoppiness. A lot of people. That's what turns them off of IPAs. I don't like IPAs. They're too bitter. They're too hoppy. You just haven't found the right one. There's some that are really mellow. Some that are real subtle. Some that are a little more juicy or a little more citrus. That's what I'm looking for a lot of times. Mm. I'm also looking for stronger ones as well. But this being an amber ale, I'm glad it's a good, you know, good variety of beers tonight. And having an IPA before this, having a nice amber, is a definite switch up. Now, what do you think about it comparatively? What do you think of it by itself? And then what do you compare it to the first one? All right. My comparison is, as we've already kind of mentioned, the first one had that fruity or I say fruity. It, yeah, it was that orange juicy. You could still taste the beer in there. Um, this one, I'll say it again, and I am very new with tasting beer. 
as of tonight. <laughs> this has that beer flavor as I described it. Like, I'm not saying it's bad, but it has that what I would have thought of as a beer flavor. Um, let me try again. I want to tell you one more. I've got one last sip here. Well, I just want to so jump I, in. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Evan. I was just no, going to say, uh, Avery said, like, drinkability. Uh, that's not to say that one's, like, they aren't able to be drank. <laughs> uh, he just means that probably you can drink it a little bit, you know, quicker, goes down smoother, um, where you can get some beers where it's like, okay, you're drinking a little bit slower. Uh, so that's what he. Right. Okay. So I want to hit one other note here. I really love carbonation in my drinks. Like, that's why getting off of soda and energy drinks, I had to go to a seltzer because I love the carbonation. Never having sipped or drank beer, I don't know if I would have recognized that it had as much carbonation as I'm experiencing. It's not to say it's a lot. It's not like my seltzer, but it's actually enjoyable. So I, I don't know. I, I'm going to rate well, that as far as my preference. I'm going to rate that a little bit lower, obviously, than the orange, but it's not bad. I could drink it. Awesome. And it's not going to be well, anything like a, a carbonated seltzer, you know, and <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be something much different than that. When you're talking about carbonation within the beer, that IPA we had previously was much more carbonated. It was perfectly carbonated. I don't think it was over or under this last one being an amber. It's not something you usually carbonate too heavy. And this one was just really smooth and really easy to drink. All right, Nick, we cut you off a few times. What do you got? No, no, I was just going to say, while you guys are enjoying the delicious beers while I'm having my water over here, um, <laughs> I did tweet out today saying that you guys were coming on the show and opened up to 200 people asking questions. And so I got a couple quick ones, Simon and Avery, if you guys just quick yes or no, yep. or, you know, quick feelings on a question. Uh, a good buddy of mine down here in Virginia, his name is Spencer Foley, asked, what are their feelings on candy corn? <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. It's, it's like one of my favorites. Wow. Like, no kidding. Peanut M&Ms are at my absolute number one, but candy corn in season candy corn, like when it's fresh and not like past or stale, it's like one of my favorites. I love candy corn. I love fresh nice. corn and popcorn. Candy corn is <laughs> terrible. Wow. <laughs> Two different opinions. All right, the... <laughs> All right. Let's see. Should I, I clean got... my palate with seltzer between? Please. Yeah. Please. Something like that. Clean it out. Like, all yeah, right, cool. A little, little reset. Yeah. Um, I did have one guy kind of give me crap. And he went, when are you guys going to stop airing on Mondays and ruining the events for those that can't watch live? I proceeded to say, well, you can't really spoil live sports. I would just say, don't go on Twitter or YouTube the day after a big event. Wow. Um, so that was a fun little, fun little transaction quick, I had with that guy. Real quick, Avery, <laughs> I'm not asking you to make enemies here, but like the sport has evolved since your time. Of your, prime, time, yeah. your, say, prime, your prime, your prime, your prime. Like all these questions were like 20, 2020 and 2021. I'm like, you didn't dive back past like 2015. Right. I was like, where are you at with this? Right. So going yeah, back, go you, you've seen it evolve. Nice hat, by the way, evolution. Um, you've seen it evolve and people are complaining that we, we're even waiting a day. And in the sports world, that would be unheard of to wait a day. I mean, they're immediately reacting. What's your take on it? People that are upset that like we're talking about who won a day before. Like, what's your take on that, man? Yeah, we're, we're pretty spoiled. Um, it's pretty awesome to have the media and the content we have these days covering disc golf. In my day, back in my day, we would have the scores of tournaments um, appear in the disc golfer magazine literally months after that tournament take place. Like you wouldn't know who won the Virginia States or the SoCal championships until months afterwards when that magazine came out. 
And then when they had a PGA website, you're checking out scores, seeing winners. And then obviously with, you know, the coverage and the, and the post-produced content out there these days, it's awesome and it's great. And you should feel good about having that. But I agree. Nothing recreates live. No one's watching the Super Bowl the next day. You're watching it when it mm -hmm. happens live to experience it and feel it and really enjoy it. So we're heading that direction. You know, I think that's the same thing we're heading with coverage. We're also doing with uh, podcasts and shows, doing live and not getting those spoilers or not hearing about it through so many other different social media, you know, chains that you can get exposed to that and see it or hear about certain things. Again, nothing, nothing recreates live. It's, it's the best we got. Yeah. My, my kind of take on it was look, the relevance of what just happened that weekend it's still so fresh 24 hours, you know, even 12 hours sometimes after, you know, when we air on Monday, usually the tournaments have ended on Sunday. One of our biggest episodes this year was two days after the world championships. We had Paul <laughs> Macbeth here in studio talking about, Hey man, what are your feelings? We want to know what his feelings are two days after that all happened rather than two weeks after that whole all happened. And then, it, you know, the viewers want to hear those things. Like what are, what's going on in their mind? 12 hours after they just accomplished or something massive happened to them in the sport. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of what I was telling the person. And you know, Monday's usually a travel day for players. A bunch of times we've had players pull off to the side of the road. It's been convenient for them to come onto the show. And anyways, uh, another guy, Tim Briggs. Well, hold on as he, you, as you get to that, I just want to say like, there has to be a cutoff anyways. Is someone saying, Hey, two days is good. Three days is good. Four days is good. Some are going to say no, five days isn't good. Like, how do you make that decision for the one or 10 or a hundred or a thousand people who say, no, like it has to be two days later. Like, it, I'm sorry. I've said it again and again and again. I'm sorry. And real quick, while, while yeah. you get to that question, you can see on the screen there, I'm putting it up for those driving around or at their workplace listening. And this is a very green, someone just sent this to me. Uh, one of our listeners, see, there you are, Avery and Simon in the background of that picture there. Nice treehouse beer you got there. There you go. So it's they just sent that beer. over. Oh, that's a good one. I'll remember that. It's very famous. Here's the, here's the thing. First off, back on this, this little three-pack, this bag of beers I brought tonight, um, I wasn't planning on doing a tasting. These were just for me to have <laughs> and sorry. enjoy while we're doing I'm the sorry. show. I'm sorry. So, here you go. so I wasn't trying to impress you with anything, and I wasn't like, if I really wanted to bring in some beers to knock your socks off, we definitely could have. We have a whole fridge full of them. Um, that you think I would, like, I would react like more positively to certain ones, you think? But I'm glad I brought these kind of yeah. mellow, mild ones as well, because it's... Uh, I'm not saying they're like, it's like beer with training wheels, but it's, they're easier drinking, more widely accepted by a, a wider variety of drinkers at this level. And then this last one I'm going to crack off on you is uh, a definitely Something acquired else. taste. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you just made me laugh out loud, really loud. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, let's do this as we get ready to crack. There's one more, right? Okay, there's one more. Let's go ahead and jump into the first uh, portion of Judge That Disc Golfer so we can get to know this disc golfer um, while I guess we get ready to do that. So here we go with Judge. Uh, hold on one second, oh. Matt. Just want to really shout out uh, Casey White has been in the chat just saying, what's up, everyone? Also, Hannah, uh, excuse me, Cro I always say Cro <laughs> Hannah McBeth just jumped in the chat. So what's up, Hannah? Hannah is still Hannah Croak in my phone. So and then, she's Hannah. Yeah, Croak. she goes, first of all, Avery, I miss you. Haven't seen you in forever. Oh, that's awesome. Can't wait till the next time, Hannah. Hope you guys are doing great. Mm -hmm. 
All right, and I also, since we're doing shout-outs, Overthrow came in earlier, and they said, oh, I was, wish I was back up there, like, because we're going to do beer tasting, and then said, we just end up in the hot tub drinking beers. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Jacob Cordes, you might know that name. He was a junior. Cupcake. Yeah, Cupcake. Absolutely. He said, say, Nick, say hi to Avery and Simon for me, because he knows you're reading the yeah. chat. And then um, I think we probably missed a few. I'm sorry, but we're going to get into Judge That Disc Golfer. Here we go. Judge that disc golfer, the game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. All right, we're going to meet our disc golfer. He was from the Capital Discs Open that I went to two, no, a week ago. Yeah, last week. Are we week. carrying over points? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Should we? I, that'd be cool. All right, we'll just carry over the points. <laughs> I'm leaving. No. We're three. <laughs> No, <laughs> Avery's like you're, no way. We'll see where we you're, get you're to. You're talking like this is the match play championship, the match play uh, major that they were going to do. We went stroke play, and now we're doing match play straight up. All right, no, three I'm, clearing it. Back to stroke I'm clearing Three it seven. out. Here we go. Zero. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to know our disc golfer. Here he comes. All right, I just met you, but I didn't get your name. Welcome to the Nick and Matt show. What's your name? Travis Winkleman. Travis Winkleman. Yes, sir. Okay, awesome. Now, for our audio listeners, describe really quick how your what's your hair like. It's the best in the tournament, every tournament. Okay, it's the best in the tournament, but they're listening to this, so describe it. Okay, we got today, it is a pink mohawk that matches my pink shirt and my pink socks. Okay, Beautiful. Yesterday it was green to match my green shirt. Okay, so it was green to match your green shirt. We're at the Capitol this open, and we're getting to know you, and this segment's called Judge That Disc Golfer. You said you've never seen this segment. Correct. Okay, so now that you've heard the name of the segment, are you still wanting to be a part of this? Absolutely. Beautiful. All right, so let's get to know a little bit about your game. All right, how long have you been playing disc golf for? Eight years. Eight years. We're in the Albany City area of New York right now. Is that where you typically play in this area? Um, for the last four years, I have played north of Albany. Okay, and okay, so four years north of Albany and four years south of Albany? Four years, uh, I've played for four, eight years, so four years north of Albany and four years in Kansas. Kansas, there we go. That's a little insight into your game. There's a lot of wind out there, the elevation's not as much. No trees. No trees. But what's your preference, playing in the woods or in the open? Now I love the woods. Okay. I freaking love the woods. Awesome, that's cool to hear. And what would you consider some of the strengths of your game? Throwing a putter. Throwing a putter. Throwing a putter. That's awesome. A plus. That's that's really interesting to hear that it, you that's your strength. I don't think I've ever heard that before, but that's actually fantastic. Um, let's find out a little bit now about like competitive play. Did you play this weekend at the Capital Disc Open? I did. Okay, you did. What division did you play? MP40. MP40. Okay, and do you mind telling us what your PDGA player rating is? Eight ninety. Okay, eight ninety. Uh, do you know what your highest ever player rating was? Just a, a 935. 935, okay. Um, and how did you place this weekend? Second. Second place. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, I'm happy. Okay, good, yeah, the smile shows that. Yeah. Awesome, we're gonna get right into this where now we are going to try to guess how you answer. So, <laughs> here we, yeah, he thinks this is pretty fun. Here we go. The first question we always ask is, how far can you throw a disc? All right, before anyone answers, okay, I need to say this really quick. Simon, did that guy remind you of anyone when it comes to the hairdo? Snake bite Peter Wright. My man, dude, right when he said he was matching his hair to his shirt, and then he said he did it with green the day socks. before. 
I was like, dude, that's Peter Wright all the way. Anyways, Travis uh, Winkleman. To, all right. To any to anyone who doesn't know, Peter Wright, insanely good professional darts player. I've been obsessing over darts over the last few months. And uh, Simon is all the reason for that. So anyways, how far can he throw? I'll let someone else go first. All right. Hannah says Harrison is watching. So that's excellent. Hannah, we, we will give your answers if you answer in the chat. All right. Um, getting to Nick, you said somebody else. So we're going to put Avery on the spot first. Sure. All right, Avery, how far is he going to answer? He can throw a disc. Throw a disc. We just asked, how far can you throw? I was What's so his waiting for Not the a rating. I was going to actually guess his rating, and the 935 was in my mind. He wow. said 90. I'm like, and then he said 835 or 935 at one point. I was like, all right. So, how far does he answer? <laughs> he can throw a disc. Can he throw a disc? What's he going to say? That's really the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's he going to say? <laughs> he's going he's gonna to say, uh, he's going to say he throw he, from Kansas, thrown in the winds. He's going to say he throws 375 feet. 375. All right, Simon, you're up next. 400. 400. Nick. Oh, that's over. I'm under. not going to lie. That's what I was going to say, but I'll, I'll go with the under right now. I'll go 325. 325. All right. Yeah. Uh, le- <laughs> Hannah answered 370. All right. Or, or that might be Harrison. I don't know. But here we go. We're on the same page. We're on the same page. Here, here he goes. <laughs> Here's his answer. 500 feet. 500 Get out feet? of here. That depends on what hole. That depends what hole. But 500 Off a feet. That is fantastic. All right. I got to play with some of these younger kids at Heiser Creek this year. And they all teed off before me. They got down close to the 400. The old man comes in and hits the 500 rock. Never done it before. Okay. First time I turned on flex to the young guys. I'm like, yeah. Old man power. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to debunk the statement really quick. I'm going to, I'm going to debunk his statement and I uh, want to say why, because I've played Heiser Creek. I'd love that course. It's phenomenal. The holy is talking about is literally you're teeing off at the top of the property yep. and you're just going straight downhill and there's a 300 mark, hey, 400 mark, 500 mark. You're not debunking it, anything. He threw it 500 feet. God, it's like the kid last week who was saying he throws 550, and I'm just like, all right, yeah. you know what? I yeah. clearly am just. We don't. We worst. don't specify flat ground, no wind, nothing. So but that, that's what this is. Like you're just asking him a question, he's going to answer it. Like yeah. the next segment to this is you actually take him out to the field. We know. You get your bush. <laughs> that's what we need to do. And we you actually have it. him throw, and you call him out if, on his 500. We thought about he's not doing breaking this. four. No, we've thought about doing this. This is half the fun, though. You see what people answer. But then you then then and we then do we this little break. Up. We discuss it, and then he goes out and throws, <laughs> and we actually see his actual distance. I actually did this, and we're gonna have a putting question in a minute. We did this with putting. So let's go ahead and get into the next question. Did oh who won that? Simon, right? 400. Simon, I won again. So he didn't even need that head start. Here we go. Question number two. So we hand you a stack of 10 putters. This is different than distance. Circle's edge. We hand you 10 putters. How many of them are going to go in? There you go. So I was saying we didn't do this with Travis Winkleman, but we did this with other players before. We said, well, let's get it on video. It was pretty funny. So, yeah, what does he answer? Uh, We're going to Simon first. Four. Four out of ten. Uh, I think Nick's up. Uh, I mean, my man's got confidence over here. I'm going to go eight. <laughs> right. Closest two without going over, right? <laughs> no, it's actually just closest two. Um, and this, this question here allows you to answer the same as somebody else if you would like to. Six. I'm going right in the middle. 
Mm-hmm. Four, and six. And I'm glad you guys answered before me. Eight. <laughs> All right. And after this question gets answered, we're going to do another uh, sipping if you want to. All right. Here we Gladly. go. <laughs> Gladly. Here we go. The answer. Six. Okay. She went with six. Six close, out of right? ten. You have help off yeah, screen, pretty, don't you? <laughs> go with six. Okay. Pick eight. All right. He had someone off camera who was like six, like told him the answer. <laughs> He's like six. She said six. Neil will help sometimes. All right. Yeah. So who got the point? Avery did. Here we go. On Avery. Up on the screen on the board. All right. Let's do this other uh, this other beer. What? How do you describe this one? What are we getting into? And obviously, feel free if you guys want to keep drinking the beers that you've poured. I'm sure you have. Maybe they're gone. I don't know. Feel free. So this right here. Okay, get that microphone up so we can explain it. This right here is from north of the border, up in Vermont. It's from Lawson's Finest Liquids. They have a a liquid sunshine, or sip of sunshine, right? Yep. The double sip of sunshine? Sure. I don't know. This is triple sunshine. The culmination of our sunshine series exploding with juicy notes of pineapple, grapefruit, and leche. Leche. Um, this is a 10.5 triple oh, IPA. Leche? Like Spanish for milk? Uh, milk? No, not like milk. Like the lychee then. Okay. Lychee. Actual fruit, right? Well, leche will, is also a flavor, I guess. We need Andrew Zimmern to help us. Like he said, oh, the Japanese right, were right? sakha. <laughs> Give me a glass. Give me a glass. Okay. This. Go easy on this one. Go easy. Yeah, go easy. Um, let's see. We still have people, because there's a delay, we have people still answering. A lot of sevens came in. Some people saying he's definitely answering 10. Some said he would answer 12. Some 11s, too. <laughs> Doesn't doubt it. Ooh, people, by the way, in the chat called this, uh, I called it the froth. They called it the head. This has a really nice head. This is really, I mean. I was waiting for him to say, depends what basket. <laughs> All right. On a giant basket. Let me, let me, let me see here. I'm. Oh, I got I guess I got to keep. Here we go. Nick's 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 holding down the chat. Let me get a smell on this. Smelly. So real quick, a triple IPA okay. is kind of a rarity. Um, there's a lot really? of single IPAs. You hear the term single IPA. Good bitterness, good hoppiness. A double IPA usually lose use a lot more malt, a lot more a lot more grain when you're doing the brewing process. Adds a lot more sugar. Usually kicks the alcohol content up a little bit. This is a triple IPA, meaning they use triple the amount of grain, boosting the sugars within the beer, adding a lot more hops to it to kind of offset the malt and the sweetness with the hoppy and the bitter. And so this is a triple sunshine, Lawson's finest liquids out of the great state of Vermont. Okay, my first reaction to the smell. I like it similarly, like the same amount as what I liked with the the... I'm calling it the orange juice beer, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just saw Simon's it face. Smell, it does smell pretty good. <clears throat> I just saw Simon's face after trying it. Like, wow, that was a lot. So I'm going to give it a try. Here we go. It got quiet. Um, hmm. I'm actually surprised. I feel like based off of Simon's reaction, that it was going to be something even... Yeah, let me put that up there. There you go. Triple sunshine. Triple sunshine. I had this conversation with you, what was it, two days ago, Avery, when we were walking up there in Nashua, and I said, we were talking a little bit about beer, and I said, oh, yeah, I like the strong flavors too, right? And I didn't know what that meant for sure with beer. 
But after trying this, I'm going, do you like this? Do you like this one, Avery? This one's, this one's really sweet. It's really sweet, kind of really forward sugary. I want a little more hop flavor, a little more bitterness, a little more better balance to this. Like I said, they triple up the malt bill on this to make it a little more sweet, but a little more sugar for the alcohol content. 10.5. It's just overly sweet. I like it. I like the flavor, but it's really, I wish I was a little hmm. bit of balance on the, on the hop flavor and the bitterness. Hmm. I feel like I actually like it. I like it. Have you guys, I like it. I'm not saying I don't dangerous. like it. I do like it though. Have you guys ever had like really like stinky cheese, like fancy cheese? Oh yeah. And like, it just, it just nothing about it seems like it tastes good, but then you have it and it tastes good. And it just like overtakes, overtakes like all your senses. <laughs> That's this beer. Like it, you just smell it and you like first taste it and like, you just kind of like, uh, and then it's like, wow, actually that's, that's pretty good. And then that's just like all you taste and it just like, like overpowers. I think it's good though. Interesting. Yeah. I just had it and it was funny. It took about 20 seconds later and I was off camera and I had one of these, like, like it shook me a little bit, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, it's enjoyable. I think if we were to continue this journey, yeah. maybe this is the first step in it. I would like to try. I am. A, I'm a fruity guy. I am fruity and sugary. Like if there's beer that's like has that soury flavors and those orange juice, like all those, I think that's where I would find my. And we talked about that. I think you're talking about the IPAs and the ambers and the porters and the stouts and the pale ales, but the sours, the sours are a whole other, oh, a whole other kind of adventure. So that's, and ooh, it's, that's it's kind my, of what you graduate to. Yeah. You graduate to that level and then they have all the different passion fruits oh, man. and the tangerines and pineapples. And they just have like they can't be sour enough. Like I want to just wow pucker factor, really good sour beers, and it's an acquired taste, absolutely. But something you kind of acquire as you go through the IPA, single, double, triple. Sours is usually kind of the destination where most craft beer drinkers kind of get to. Okay, and I'm not putting you on the spot here because there's yeah. no commitment. But if and when you come back next time, we could continue the series. I'm excited. There's a really good Absolutely. sour place in Nashua called White Birch. Did you guys go there? We did. Did you like and it? And it wasn't hitting. Oh, Their okay. sours were not sour. Like, I wow. was, oh, you heard about it. We were at another brewery, and this other guy at the end of the bar was talking about this brewery, White Birch, yeah. right across the street from Spyglass. And we went there and we had every single beer they had, all their IPAs. We had some pretty good stouts, different pumpkin to uh, even, like, I think a Belgian quad, which is pretty good. But their sours were not hitting. They weren't sour. They were really fruity. They were kind of sweet. And I was looking for something different. Fair enough. But uh, th th again, it's all right. it's all about the adventure, though. Like you got to go to these breweries. You got to try these different beers. You gotta you gotta find the one you love best. And again, there's a lot of people that aren't drinkers, but for those that are that really enjoy out there enjoying craft beer, there's so many levels to it, and there's so many good flavors out there. And it's just you gotta you gotta try them all, right? <laughs> it's like Pokemon. Yeah. Got to catch them all. Here, real quick on the screen, I'll try to get it to focus. There's a bevel glass, and it says max weight. And I believe that's you. That's you, Avery, on the that label. Is. That, that was is. sent to me by. Do you know who? Just now, who would have sent that to me? They said, "Show this to Avery." Wow, who's drinking? Who's drinking a, a Scottish ale right now from Bevel? Well, damn, he might have designed the label. Ah, uh, Manuel. There you go. Um, thanks, Manny. <laughs> thanks, Manny. He's the he's the the graphic designer behind all of Val and Nate's Bevel Craft Beer graphics on all their cans. Um, and coming from a beer family, I grew up into craft beer. 
My dad was a, a brewer for 15 years and we were always just partaking in some of the finest, you know, beers out there. And he would make a lot of good home brews. And then Val and Nate carrying on the tradition, opening Bevel Brewery up in Bend, Oregon. It is the disc golf brewery, so we haven't been there. Got to make the the destination, the journey out there to uh, Central Oregon up in the mountains and just enjoy some really nice, uh, very tasty IPAs. And they uh, actually just, uh, they brewed a stout that they put in bourbon barrels and aged for 11 months. It came out like 12.2% and it's supposed to be phenomenal. So they're doing a lot of things besides just IPAs and they have a beer for anybody. But it's it's a disc golf wonderland and, and, and a great place to go if you like craft beer. All right. Uh, everyone's wondering if like I'm going to just start drinking beers. The answer is probably no, but I'm enjoying this. As as Avery said earlier, like I think it'd be crazy if I'm like, no, I won't taste the beer. I will not taste the beer. Like this is great. I'm loving it. This I'm so fun. glad you're open to it though. Yeah. Most that kind of hold that streak of not drinking. I don't want to, you know, you're open to trying it. <laughs> I am. I, I'm truly mind blown that I this has, has happened. Nick, Nick, aren't you mind blown by this? Like how how is this happening? Oh my gosh. I know, right? Well, the other thing, like, I've known Matt. Matt, how long have I known you? Probably Since you were born. Years. No, I don't know. Twenty, Yeah, yeah 30, literally. Probably 30 years at some level. Well, I mean, I'm only 27, so. Oh, I definitely sorry. 30 that. then. I'm thinking since you were six. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. We're not the same age. No, yeah. no I'm thinking 20 you know, probably probably 20 years or so. And um, I've gone out to eat with Matt uh, plenty of times. I've gone out to eat with Matt and Simon before. And uh, I'm pretty sure we went to an Applebee's, and I 100% got a nice tall Bud Light. But um, no, I think it's kind of funny. I wish I was there for the moment. I mean, I wish I was there I, for the I, moment. You know, especially. Just, I mean, I want. I want to go. I want to go on a uh, beer tasting with Avery and Simon. I mean, with how much Avery knows about beers, I like this. Just I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, okay, what event is Avery and Simon going to be at next year? Because I'm 100% going to also be there, so we can go out and taste some places. <laughs> Let's go. You're always welcome. And these are just tasters. He hasn't had a full beer yet. Right. I think he's saving yeah. that moment for you. Um, but I am an instigator and I do kind of, I'm not saying I'm pushing it on you in any way, but I'm glad you're open to the idea and we started talking about it. Let's do it on the show sometime. And it just happened to be tonight. So it just I'm, literally I'm happened down with it. It just literally happened tonight because we were talking about, Hey, we should do a full series. We tour the country drink. Matt's never drank beers. This would be excellent. You know, first time and yada, yada. Uh, yeah, this is great. Um, I wonder, yeah, where we'll go from here. Everyone's curious. All right. And that's funny, Simon. Mind blown. Nick's like, yeah. I'm like, I guess it's a, I guess it's a thing. All right. It's let's... like watching it. It's like if you were a vegan and eating bacon ah, on the show. Okay. All it's right. Like... Interesting perspective. <laughs> if you have yeah. like a lifelong streak going through those years. You think it'd be a bigger deal? <laughs> Maybe I just, this is who I am though. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes for my wife's sake, who I am is like pretty impulsive and like, let's just go and let's do it. But this is, this was pretty. <laughs> it's not a streak, Simon. It, I'm glad we're kind of introducing something from. Our world, I guess, that we really like that. enjoy. Yeah. We really yeah. enjoy yeah. it. And I'm glad I, he gets to enjoy it with I, us. I That's how I feel, like actually. So, I'm glad you mentioned that. Real quick, I'm glad you mentioned that because I felt like this is something that you both enjoy a lot. And I was like, hey, if there's something I really enjoyed a lot, like I would like to share that with somebody else. That's how I'm seeing this moment right here. It's actually really cool. I appreciate the fact that you would both of you would be willing to help me through this process of tasting. I'm so it worked out. Okay. I've how, tasted how all far, three. Hold on, hold on ahead, really Nick. quick. How how far is Bend from where the courses are in, for like Portland Open or um, three hour drive? Beaver, three hour drive. Okay, because I plan on going out to those next year, and my brother lives just outside of Portland, 
So I was going to make sure him and I got a date together. I don't know if either of you two are going to be at it, but we definitely want to go down to Bevel. But um, Nick, they have like a $140 round trip on like a tiny plane between Portland and Bend. Mm -hmm. And I think that would make a great vlog. But Oh, dude, the, that'd be sick. The drive is amazing. You're driving past Mount Hood. You're driving through some of the high desert of Central Oregon. You get to see all the epic 10,000-foot mountains. The drive is oh, I just made that. the drive two, two months yeah. ago when I was up there in Portland. I drove down to see Val and Nate. They were on a, a commentary weekend hanging out with uh, Terry Miller and Elaine King, and it was just so much fun to be there and see it yeah. two years later after the grand opening to be there again and hang out with family. So <laughs> worth right, the drive. Well, here's, here's the plan. All right, so if we're going to do the drive, Simon, and vlog it, we're going to rent a supercar. We're going to find an exotic car. We're going to rent it, and we're going to enjoy an insanely cool or we get one of those motorcycles that has the passenger thing on it, and we Even just take better. a motorcycle. And then we die. Like how? <laughs> and you're yeah. filming from the little cab <laughs> and, on the side? End to the finish the line. Yeah. <laughs> this last episode of, you know. What's really cool <laughs> here, and we're going to move into the final half of this uh, segment, Judge That Disc Golfer, but I'm going to put it back up. I don't know. People are sending me now pictures of the beer they're drinking. The Brewing Project Wiggly Wiggler Sour Ale with Pineapple, Lemon, Guava, Raspberry. That sounds so good. Okay. That sounds amazing. That's like a new segment you got now. Everybody's sending in their <laughs> their their photos, their selfies, Matt, and their ears now. Matt, for, my, for Dude, my podcast, that's exactly what we're doing. I just thought of something, and I'm not asking for this because I'm not giving out my address. But you remember how you did Vlogmas last year and people sent you like Christmas gifts to Maple Hill? Mm. What if people like sent me beers and they all want me to try a beer? They're like, you will like this, Matt. I'm just like bombarded with beers. <laughs> we created a monster. All right. This is this is really fun. And that was from a guy named Josh. Uh, I'm not sure how to say your last name. I'm going to sound it out phonetically. Rudd. If it's not Rudd, it's rude. R-U-D. Um, oh, him and I talk all the time about beer. Really? He literally sends me. Yeah, he literally sends me different sours that he's having at the moment. Like he sent me ones that he's drinking tonight. And I said, oh, now you're just making me jealous. OK, so he sent that to me. I met him at MVP. He's a photographer. He did some uh, contract work for I think it was Innova at the time, maybe someone else. But he's he flew out to photograph. We've stayed a little connected there. Shout out to you, Josh. Also in the chat, because I think this is funny. Uh, Hannah. <laughs> You made me laugh when she said, let's do like another episode where it's like drinking coffee. We try all different coffees. She's like, do it late at night. It'll be the 24 hour podcast. It was just really funny to me. Uh, yeah, because we'd be really amped up. All right, here we go. We're getting to the last questions. Question three of Judge That Disc Golfer. This is the first time we've ever waited this long to get to question three. <laughs> wow. Here we go. I'm still playing this game. Disc golf <laughs> tattoos. First of all, do you have any tattoos that you mind telling us about? I have two tattoos. I have a Tasmanian devil smoking a joint on my ankle. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. And then I have a skeleton cowboy on my calf. Okay. So no disc golf <laughs> tattoos, though. No, I want one. <clears throat> All right, this is absolutely perfect, everybody. <laughs> to all of our fans, our live viewers, and our post-production uh, listeners, this is fantastic, and they know why. Right now, they're all going, we can't believe it, because here's why. We're going to give you four options for a disc golf tattoo. You don't have to go get one after this, but this is just for your consideration. Would you get, if you were to get a disc golf tattoo, a single basket, would you get a what we're gonna call a doink putt so a basket hitting the front rim okay i mean a, a putter hitting the front rim uh would you get and this is why it's fantastic a tasmanian devil 360 drive okay or would you get a disc golf phrase something for instance like grip it and rip it or death putt or some phrase that you appreciate what would your option be out of those four all right 
You heard it there. This was the first time in I don't know how many episodes of doing Judge That Disc Golfer, someone said they had a Tasmanian devil tattoo. And we always ask that question. So, um, Nick, we're going to put you up first. Which tattoo does he choose? I feel like since he already has the Tasmanian devil, I, I know he's going to say that one again, but I'm just going to go just a single basket. All right, Nick answers single basket. We're going to Avery. See, I want to say single basket, but how is it so obvious that he has Tasmanian devil? It's got to be that one. All right. Just golf version. <clears throat> I wonder if he was surprised when I asked it. Oh, your your microphone for some reason got weird. Check, check. Yeah, works. Um, he can make it real and just add a disc to his already Tasmanian devil who's smoking a joint. <laughs> and then he has a disc golf tattoo of a Tasmanian devil. So he's probably going to go that route. All right. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, you all answered. Um, let's see how he answers. Here we go. I like the the deep putt. <laughs> yeah, the doink putt. The doink putt, yeah. Now, we've interviewed, I don't know how many dozens of people for this segment, and you're the first that came with a Tasmanian devil tattoo. What's the significance of Taz to you? Uh, my folks said I was the devil. Why not be the Tasmanian one, right? <laughs> this guy. I don't know if I should say this or not, but here we go. After the interview, I said, are you intoxicated? And he said, no. And he said, I'm high. <laughs> I said, you are. He goes, all the time. So. <laughs> Your mic is really giving you trouble. Uh, is he the first one to choose the doink putt? Or has, have people been choosing that? In all the, I feel like people have chosen that one before. Yeah, no, it's okay. happened before, but not, not that many, actually. All right. Um, let's see here. So nobody got that correct. We're at a zero for Nick. Avery one, Simon one. We have one question left. See how it plays out. Here we go. All right. Unfavorable weather. We all know what that is. All right. We get out to play a tournament round and it's like going to be really rainy. Like, you know, where it's hard to stay dry, uh, really snowy in this region that happens where it's snowing as you're playing. It's accumulating on the ground a couple inches when you start, maybe more as you're going and then really windy. So we're talking 25 to 30 mile an hour winds. You had to choose one of those unfavorable weather conditions for your next competitive round what are you choosing all right i had to cut him off a little bit because he answered very quickly like he knew so i'm giving you that tip but what is he going to choose for his unfavorable weather all right um i think we go avery options again rain, rain. significant snow significant wind 25 plus kansas boy he's choosing wind all right he's choosing wind is avery's answer simon what do you got i'm because I can't do the same with Avery because we're tied. I would have said win, but I'm going to go. You can. You can. I have a tiebreaker if that was to happen. So I have a tiebreaker in mind. It's up to you. Oh, no. Choose the one that you think it is, is my point. That's what you should do. No. <clears throat> All right, Nick. Now if Simon gets this right, then I can't beat Simon or even tie him. But if Simon gets it wrong and Avery gets but it I, wrong and you get it right, so you have to choose the I want, leftover. Yeah, I want. I want to say snow because... You know, I don't know. I feel like that one actually gets said a lot. But so Avery went wind, Simon went snow, I'll go rain. <laughs> and when your powers combine, you're Captain Planet. Right. The Avatar. Let's see how he answers. Here we go. Windy. Wind. Wind. Without question. Yeah. Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you think you have an advantage? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> All right. He, you nailed it, Avery. Kansas. That was very insightful there. 
Um, and so you get the point. So now we have Avery winning this one, Simon winning the other one, both of our guests. That's excellent. Nick, I'm sorry to say you scratch zero on all of the questions combined. I'm just going to buy them both beer next time I see them. So <laughs> if anything, it's a win-win for all of us. Deal. All right. Um, here's the bonus question. It's for, not for any points, but just for fun. How many aces does that guy have? I asked him that question. What do you think? What's he going to say? 13. Two. Two, 13. Avery, any insight? Free beer for everybody if you get it right. Uh, Plays in the wind. (laughs) Not a lot of aces. I'm going uh, 10. All right. Uh, I think you were the closest. Seven was the answer. Okay. So pretty good. Mm. Pretty good. I didn't drill them on like where, how how short were the holes, how long were the holes. (laughs) All right. Let's get out of Judge That Disc Golfer. Judge That Disc Golfer. The game show where you judge a disc golfer you've never met. All right, back on the screen because everyone's doing it. I can't, there he is again, everybody. Nate Heinold, we can't get rid of the guy. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so here is Casey White. He says he's stocked up in his refrigerator with this wow, thing. Wow, oh, look at him. Traveling Good in style. Boy. A lot of treehouse across the board. Man, people are just sending me. Look, there's another one. There's another. They just keep sending them to me now. Look I'm, what you started. I'm the beer man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, we really made it to the end of the show. We went our full two hours and five minutes. That's pretty good, but it was enjoyable. Um, what are we missing? You guys have anything you want to close out with? I think we're at that point. Oh, I want to quickly announce that I'm oh. doing Vlogmas, and Matt and I have arranged and agreed to do three live shows during Vlogmas, December 9th. 16th and 23rd so those are the three thursdays in december um i'm pretty stoked i'm pretty stoked it's gonna be fun we're gonna have some very interactive segments and uh stay tuned for the simon says podcast coming in december can i can we tease the logo no yeah do you have the logo well i mean i can pull it up like everyone's sending me beer pictures i can do the same thing Oh, yeah, pull it up. Um, I just got that made uh, last, I don't know, three days ago. All right, here we go. Sorry if you're listening to the podcast, all this extra bonus feature, but there it is. Simon says, it says, yes, I'm alive, and he's spinning a disc, and he's got his Simon Lazat logo on his hat and his disc. I'm really looking forward to this, Simon. It's going to be different than the Nick and Matt show. I want to be very clear. So anybody who thinks that, where you're actually creating something totally oh, different. Totally different. I'm. It's not about disc golf news or anything along those lines. Not really about my opinions on anything either. We're playing games and uh, having a good time and doing playing games. <laughs> He's got all these microphones. Uh, Avery, thanks for being here. What do you what do you have anything to close? Yeah, out? no, it's it's been great. I always had a great experience on your show. Thanks for having me as always. Um, and then be on the lookout. We got a lot of uh, good disc golf park hap- activity happening up in the Northeast. We got a a course in Upton, Mass. So Upton and Milford open in the next six to eight months. Just kind of the west side of Boston, outer Beltline, and then uh, the Nashua, New Hampshire course, um, being the Rotary West Disc Golf Park in the next year or so. So some nice uh, course action going in the, the Milford and the Upton are both nine hole courses and then Nashville is going to be an 18 hole disc golf park. So got some good disc golf park action happen happening in the Northeast these days. Very cool. Uh, one last question coming from me to you guys really quick. A uh, guy in the chat asked a couple times co- from Cody Garner. 
Um, do you guys use the untapped beer app? And if you do, is do you like share your handles or something like that or your names on it? I don't know. Do you guys ever use it? Simon did at one point. I probably got him on there years ago. Still got that? No? Um, I definitely do. I definitely log my my adventures and, and journeys on in the beer world. And so it's just Avery Jenkins, all one line across the Alrighty, board. I got, I got a few additions go. in there, and uh, I've been What's to What's your over, beer count? I think, um, so <laughs> funny as it is, I have 1,274 courses played throughout the world, 21 countries, 49 states. I track a lot of things, and I track beers as well, how many unique different beers I've tried throughout the world. I've been over 500 breweries throughout the world from anywhere throughout Europe, throughout Australia, New Zealand, U.S., obviously. And I had a, a fan approach me at the Ledgestone in 2015 and said, wow, I'm a big fan, big fan. Really enjoy your work. You're a great player, but I'm more a fan of your untapped profile than I am of your PDJ profile, just for the amount and number that I uh, tally on there, if you will. Um, but there's so many, there's some players out there that actually have more courses played than me, which I was jealous of. And then they have 12,000 unique beers on their untapped. And I was like, just blown away, but I, I keep a pretty good pace and I enjoy what I do. The travels, the journeys, the destinations. Um, but going out to disc golf course and breweries is, uh, a definitely a hobby of mine aside from doing everything else within disc golf. And, uh, it's been a, a wild ride so far and enjoy the years to come heck yeah nick this is kind of the off-season podcast version here this is what happens so exactly i'm loving it i know people um, anyways, are, people I are mean, asking where we're going to get augmented reality to disc golf and it's only if nick makes it back up to new england or massachusetts so we'll see so i think the team challenge team that i played for i think there's a match early december so i might try to fly up All right. and keep me in the i'll loop. probably end up yeah, I'll probably end up just staying a whole week just to see everyone. And um, anyways, so yeah, we'll have to definitely potentially do a video then. Definitely, potentially, obviously. Yeah, definitely going to do a video then. <laughs> and then uh, I try to try to get into one of Simon's vlogs, maybe. All right, we got to wrap this up. We got to wrap it up. It's been great. Cool. Nick, go ahead. Anyways, appreciate everyone tuning in live tonight. Uh, first off, we want to thank Simon and Avery and Evan for coming in studio tonight. Uh, Matt and I are super appreciative of it. To everyone tuning in live, thank you so much. Thank you for being active in the chat tonight. Like I said earlier, if you can, go ahead that hit that thumbs up button. Don't forget to comment, like, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Foundation Podcast. Shout out to them. They've got Grip Locked, debate night going on throughout the week. Um, tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Nick, Simon, Avery, Evan, you guys are awesome. Thanks for doing what you do. Peace out. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or stream us live exclusively on the Foundation Podcast YouTube channel.